0: We're now officially one, at least a little over a month in, 2021, and what a fucking ride. <laughs> it's like, dude, this, this has been crazy.
1: Yeah, this is like and a th- movie where there, there there wasn't a build up. It just went right from the get-go. <laughs> right. The right. scene of the movie, we're like, whoa, wait a minute. Here. The opening
0: scene, it's kind of like Ronin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that Robert De Niro movie back in the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Like, oh, this is how we're going to start off? Like, okay, where do we go from here? Jeez, man. So, you know, you got idiots taking over the Capitol building, you know, you've got, well, a a kind of a transition of the, you know, the presidency. It's so funny because it's almost like, okay, you know, dude never conceded. So it's kind of like for any of my wrestling fans out there, it's like, It's like the Royal Rumble. And it's like, you know, you know, once you get ready into the Royal Rumble, until you actually get in the ring, you know, it's like you, you can't get eliminated. So if you never get into the ring, even though you like one of the people that participated, you know, there's this one wrestler named Curtis Axel who's like, um, um, Kurt Hennings, you know, son. And basically he never had a chance to get into the ring, man. So from the Royal Rumble from a few years ago. So basically he's still the longest reigning participant in the Royal Rumble because he never officially got thrown over the top rope. And I just because he, basically he never got thrown over to concede. And lose. So I just kind of look at Trump doing the same thing. It's like, so basically he never conceded. So does it really mean that he actually is no longer the president even though he has a new office now? <laughs> the office of the former well, president? I mean,
1: he, he wouldn't have conceded if 90% of voters voted for the <laughs> opposition. That's, that's just right. not who he is because in his right. mind That's if, losing. If, that's in his, yeah, In his mind, if he doesn't concede that means he didn't lose. But that's right. the fighter getting knocked out being like, no nah, that didn't happen. It's like, dude, you asleep. It's like, nah, nah, I'm going to contest that. (laughs) It's like, look, man, you lost. Okay, you lost. That's okay. I'll go back and figure out something else to do. What happens in life? We don't just win everything we try. Yeah, that was hilarious.
0: The office of the former president.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I noticed that certain news networks love saying former president whenever they talk about him. It's (laughs) so
0: funny because for four years they just referred to him as. (laughs) <laughs> Donald Trump or Trump, and now he's all of a sudden the former president. I was like, oh, now he gets to be that president in this title. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> that kind of stuff happens. But you know what? We're going to talk about these 30-day challenges of just cutting out stuff that – just cutting out things in general, whether you think they're healthy or unhealthy for you, especially things that are unhealthy. Because I think I like well, resolution people, <laughs> they, they try to do too many changes, right? They try to overhaul their diet and overhaul their lifestyle and overhaul their training – And often you're trying to make so many changes that it's overwhelming. Sometimes it's a good idea just to look at one thing you're doing that you think may be having a deleterious effect on your overall health and well-being. And then just as an experiment, you cut that out for 30 days. For some people, it may be coffee. Maybe you drink a fucking pot of coffee every day and you go, there's no way I can miss a day of coffee. Well, that's a problem. That means you're addicted to it. So cut it out for 30 days. Hell, cut it out for a week and see if you can do that. Now, if you can't even cut it out for a week, you know you have a problem. So admit to it. Like my mom always – my mom was a news junkie, and I would always make fun of her. I'm like, Mom, you're addicted to watching the news and – She's like, no, no, I could quit anytime. You know? I was like, spoken like a true addict. Like, right. I go, I go, well, just turn off the TV for a week. She's like, why? Why do I need to do that? You know? I was like, there we go, mom. You sound just like a heroin addict. But you know? so that, that's always like, if you can't even cut something out for a week. Like people that are addicted to exercise. Now, I'm not saying you quit exercising for 30 days. That's too long. That's going to have a negative impact. But sometimes taking a week off is the best thing you can do for your body and for making progress, which is what I'm always focused on. But
0: no, Mike, and, when I go on my vacation, man, I got to make sure that the gym has like bumper plates and, you know, I got to have a rowing machine because, you know, I got to continue I go my vacation.
1: Workouts. I don't even care if the hotel has a gym because <laughs> I'm not going to be seeing it. I could care less about getting away, especially if you're only gone for a week. Who cares? You're gone for a month, find well, first of all, who's gone for a month? <laughs> you know? But let's mm-hmm. say you are theoretically fine. You know, you find something to do after the uh, taking a week off. But man, if you can't even take a week off from exercise, you're addicted. You're using it as a coping mechanism. So speaking personally, I'm gonna put my little dirty laundry out there. You know, I, I got into the habit of just taking an edible, a marijuana edible, pretty much every night after the pandemic started. And I probably before that, too. But definitely when the pandemic started, I got into this routine of wake up, have a cup of coffee, have my protein shake, watch lectures, read, get my business going, work out. Once the evening came, I walk, walk the dogs, get home, pop an edible, cook dinner. Right. It became very routine. It was something where it's not even so much that I wanted to take an edible. It was just like, oh, OK, it's evening time now. Let me just go ahead and pop. Yeah, one. So I can
0: even enjoy it at that point, you know, because yeah. now it becomes such yeah. a routine.
1: And it was also something where it was like I needed it to relax, though. You know, I'm thinking, okay, I need to relax now, so let me take this. And now you're making an association between taking an edible and relaxing. Now, the problem with that is is it can become an addiction now where you need it. You need one to achieve the other, and you shouldn't. Right. You shouldn't need anything to relax. You should be able to just get into a relaxed state. <laughs> right. Just that. That shouldn't be something where you actually need something to stimulate a relaxed state. And then the real problem also is that when when you take anything that numbs you out, it's usually because there's something going on that you don't want to address. Right. Unconsciously, that's why you're taking it every night. Now, what's happened since I cut it out? So I I cut it out for all of January and I'm going to cut it, I'm going to keep it going for February. I haven't taken an edible for a month now. I also cut out the news, and I also cut out Instagram about two weeks ago. Now, by the time this episode comes out, I may be back on Instagram. I may not be you know, because I've, I've been off for about 10 days now, and I don't miss it one bit. And the thing about Instagram is not that it's inherently bad in any way because it really isn't. The problem is whether your relationship with it is negative. And right. someone of me, I have an addictive personality, so I'm not someone who's going to take an edible once a week. I'm going to take it every fucking night. You know, I'm not all someone right. who's just gonna work out hard once a week. No, I'm gonna work out six days a week, hard. I'm not someone who's just gonna push myself every once in a while. I'm gonna push it all the time. So that that's my personality. So right. when I'm on Instagram, I'm on there doing some things that are productive for my business, and I'm interacting with friends and all that. But I'm also on there wasting a lot of time, to be perfectly honest. And I'm not gonna sit there and try to deny that. And sometimes you look at your phone and it tells you how long you've been on something. <laughs> screen time. Yeah. Two hours. <laughs> what am I looking at for two hours? <laughs>
0: hey, man, there's a whole lot of ass on Instagram, okay?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to answer that question. I'll, I'll talk about it <laughs> off air, when I'm looking at. <laughs> Well see, that's a waste of time too though. Because.
0: Exactly. It's yeah. like, what are you going to do with that? You're sitting there, you're, yeah, just yeah. Hitting like, you're hitting like, but then what? It's like, all you're doing is first of all, you're enabling whoever, whoever that is with their account, giving them that attention. But right. what do you get out of it? It's like, it's not like they're going to repay, you know, repay you like, oh, you, you like my picture. Would you like to touch my ass in real life now? It's like, <laughs> And and if you could, would you really want to if they just offered it like that? Uh,
1: yeah. Probably well, not. A lot of guys are like, fuck yeah, I would. What are you talking <laughs> exactly. about? <that? laughs>
0: exactly. There, there are repercussions. There are things that come along with touching that ass, bro.
1: Like, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm just looking to touch some asses. <laughs> I'm,
0: just, I'm just trying to touch it like a like button. You know, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to smash that like button like they say on YouTube.
1: <laughs> but my, so my attitude is I did a couple experiments I'm like okay I cut out the edible and all of a sudden I, I I became more productive my workouts are better my sleep is better the first week I cut out the edible I had a hard time sleeping to be honest yeah. and people always say you don't develop a physical dependency on marijuana but you definitely <laughs> can develop a psychological dependency exactly. like I said I associated it with taking it, it makes me relaxed I would pass out often downstairs watching TV or reading and then I would just wake up and go to sleep as it put me in that state and, but the thing is, the quality of sleep you would get, you could sleep for eight hours. You would never wake up refreshed, at least I wouldn't. And what I've noticed differently now is, at the first week was difficult. I just pushed through it. Now my sleep is really deep, vivid dreams. I wake up ready to go. And also, I'm really enjoying sleep. Like Sometimes I sleep and I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, man, this feels great. I'm so relaxed in bed. I'm, I'm feeling good. I just go right back to sleep as opposed to just passing out and waking up you know there's just being unconscious
0: yeah. yeah yeah feeling feel like somebody just dropped slipped you a mickey or something then you're like right. where, where <laughs> am i and you wake up like where am i and and then that's the worst because when you wake up you just feel like you just got hit with like a tranquilizer or something you just feel so out of it but the, but at the same time you don't feel you can necessarily go back to sleep yeah so you're like the walking dead you're still asleep yeah. but your eyes are wide open you're just sitting there like oh Well, now I can't go back to sleep, but you basically you are asleep (laughs) because you're just kind of sitting there. You're just existing at that point. And and then what do you do? First thing you do, you grab your phone. Well, go ahead and light that blue light up and, you know, stimulate you some more and just make things a little worse. And your adrenals are like, hear this here this fucker goes. Really? You know, and cortisol is like, Hey, don't worry. I'm enjoying this. So,
1: well, that that brings up what I, what I was, I mean, the reason why I was taking an edible every night is the same reason why I was on Instagram every night is that you're just looking for a distraction. And the problem is what are you trying to distract yourself from? Yeah. You know, once you <laughs> cut those things out, once I cut out the edibles and once I cut out Instagram, all of a sudden they go, okay, there's there, don't even bother picking up your phone because there's nothing to look at on there. You know, so I don't yeah, even, I like barely you know. pick up my phone. <laughs> It's Number like one. a
0: little kid, man. It's like, you know, yeah. little kids, like, you know, when you were little and you didn't want to go to bed, you would just find all these things, all these things to try to stay busy, you <laughs> keep talking, and you're just like, quit fighting. Take your little ass to sleep, <laughs> you know, but you just, no, because you feel like you're going to miss something as a kid. Well, now right. you're an adult, and I'm here to tell you, we ain't missing a damn thing. <laughs> it's like there's nothing going on. It's now... Now everything your grandparents said is coming true when your grandmother said there's nothing open after 12 o'clock except legs. Okay, so, (laughs) and so if you're not getting between some, take your ass to sleep, man.
1: Well that that explains why I like to go play cards after midnight. You know, it all makes sense now. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was just because of that Judas Priest song, Living After Midnight. (laughs) Now it has a whole new meaning. But what happens is when you have that free time, I mean, what I'm, I'm a pretty voracious reader normally, but somehow I got out of the habit of it over the last several months. Like I don't, I don't think I read too many books last year even, but now I'm reading a book, forget about a book a week. That was my goal, reading a book a week. Now I'm reading almost two books a week and I'm, a variety of topics too. I'm not just reading about hormone optimization. I'm reading, I read Rob Halford's autobiography recently, Judas Priest, Mm -hmm. which, which was awesome. I read Dave Goggins' book, you know, now I'm reading 50 Cent's book and I'm reading this book on predictions of the COVID aftermath. And mm. so I'm reading a lot of interesting stuff, but the point is, is that I'm actually reading and stimulating my mind and I'm not just distracting myself. And then also, one thing I'm doing also is sometimes I just like to kick back on the couch, no music. And do nothing. No, just like, sit yeah, there, exact, just sit You're there, just sit there, about whatever comes up. And it's amazing. Yes. How many things come up when you do that? You're like, wow, I haven't thought about that in a while. It's like, oh wow, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about, this. and that's actually my form of meditation. Yep. I'm not sitting there trying to block anything out. I'm just lying down, no distractions, and whatever comes up, comes up.
0: Yep. You know what's funny? I was, I was man, what did I hear this from? Of oh, this past weekend, basically just saying um, one of the benefits of being, you know, an entrepreneur and someone who doesn't have to go to work every day one of the benefits is you have the privilege of being able just to sit down and think. Oh yeah. Cause you, cause you have time. Because, I, you know, you're not pressured to like, oh, I got to spend the next two hours in traffic, which, you know, not many people are doing that these days thanks to COVID. You know, <laughs> but, you know, already having to get up a couple of hours. So at least the top half of your body looks presentable because you're about to go into a Zoom call at work, <laughs> you know. But prior to COVID, like I said, two hours in traffic. Then you get to work and you are working eight to nine to ten hours a day. And then you're back in traffic again. So now you've pretty much spent like the last 12 to 14 hours already being distracted. Then you get home, you eat, you know, you you, you know, you try to dress your family and try to be present, and then next thing you know, you after you've eaten or whatever, you, you sit back and you watch TV, and then you go to sleep, and then you wake up, you do it all over again. So whereas when you pretty much are in control of your life and you pretty much have businesses that are taking care of themselves, you don't necessarily have to be inside the business working, you know, you have more free time on your hands, so you have a lot more time to be creative and, again, to be reflective. So you know you have that time where you're just sitting there you have that downtime, especially when you've been working on a project or something and you're like all right man i've been going at it hard for the last two or three hours you know i set off this block of time to work on this project or whatever for my business now i'm gonna take a break and so you sit there you know you get a bite to eat you go outside get some sun take a walk do whatever walk the dogs come back in you know and then you know you just you can just sit there for a second man and just even while you're walking, you know, you're just sitting and taking yeah. it all in. Like I always say, you know, take a walk without your phone if you can, or if you do have your phone, turn it off and just walk. You know, don't turn, don't listen to music or anything. Just take everything all in and you'll be surprised at things that come up in your head while you're just taking things in. And, oh, yeah. and especially if you're actually conscious, like, oh, damn, I haven't thought about that in a while. Like, oh, man, I remember this, this, this and this. Why, you know, dang. Or, Damn, that just pissed me off. Then you asked actually like, okay, why did that just piss you off? And they weren't even talking to you or, you know, it had nothing to do with you. So you can actually address those issues because now you don't have anything distracting you from that. And then you come back, you know, get back on with your day. And then a few hours later after another block of work, you do it again. You just sit there, man. Just you, know, like you said, man, it's kind of like a meditation where you just Okay, I'm going to relax a little bit, let my brain, you know, just kind of wind down for a second because I've been in overdrive. I'm very stimulated now from just all this hype stuff, these hype ideas I'm working on for my business. And, you know, I just want to recharge. And then, like I said, man, stuff just kind of comes up. You're like, oh, that was interesting. (laughs) You know, it's quiet in here. So I got to wonder why that come up in my mind and then, you know, reflect on it, do whatever. But, like, again, when you have these set routines every day, like the business of working for someone else and doing all this other stuff, it's so hard, you know. And if you have kids and, you know, things like that, I'm not saying get rid of your kids. But, you know, my thing is, I'm saying find some time to just find some quiet, some silence, just to be by yourself. You know, don't be afraid of that. In fact, welcome that. And, And whatever comes up, man, just, hey let it happen don't try to force it away like ooh i don't want to think about that no there's a reason why it came up you need to think about that <laughs> it didn't just pop up magically like so it's like a good time to bring it you know to really address that situation
1: i think i think we try to distract ourselves from things that we don't like about ourselves too and yeah. i oh, think i can understand why i mean look i'm i'm guilty of that as everyone so i'm not talking about it like i'm not in that category i'm i'm in that category too but you're not going to improve if you're always distracting yourself. You have to right. look at okay, why am I am why am I the way I am? Why am I like this? Why why is it I don't like this about myself?
0: You know, so you know, and and this is the perfect time to realize that it's not another person's fault. You know, if you're an adult, you know, you can't blame anyone else. This is a good time to realize, like, okay. This is obviously not a so and so issue. This is a me issue. And why is this an issue for me? And then you, and then my thing is, at that point, once you realize it's an issue, it's like, OK, now that I realize it's an issue for me. What am I what am I doing about it? Not going to do but doing about it, like right now? What's the first thing I can do about it right now? You know, a lot of times it is to acknowledge that, it, you know, that it is an issue for you. That's the first step. Now you got to realize, OK, how do I make this a non issue or less of an issue? And what little thing can I start right now to do that? Not Like you said, not overwhelm yourself with all this, well, I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, because then you're going to do this yourself right out of existence of making it happen, <laughs> because it becomes overwhelming. So a little step.
1: Yeah. I, re- I really think the 30-day challenges are a good one for a lot of people. Just think about something that you know is a problem, if you're honest with yourself about it. And it maybe it's not even a problem, but just see if you right. can – Out for 30 days. Like, look, you you like to watch four hours of TV every night, and you don't think it's a problem. Maybe it isn't a problem. Maybe you're getting everything done, and this is what you like to do. But can you cut it out for even a week? And if the answer is no, then you know you have a problem. And if you even
0: even if you have four, you know you watch four hours of TV. Can you cut it down to two and change the type of programming you're watching? So instead of just watching all these different little TV shows or whatever else, can you spend two hours watching a documentary and actually learn something? Yeah. You know, pick up pick up something new, you know, watch a, a how to show or something like that, you know, where it can kind of motivate you. And like, oh, you know what? I haven't built something in years now. I feel like going and doing that now. And the next thing you know, you're taking a trip to Home Depot because otherwise you probably wouldn't have been motivated for that by watching. I don't know. This is us. <laughs> okay. So. So, yeah. So like look at that well, again, those little things where it doesn't necessarily have to be super extreme, but compared to where you are at the moment. It is extreme, you know, so it just seems, but it seems less daunting.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a safe way. A lot of television, especially scripted dramas, they're Mm -hmm. a safe way to have a vicarious experience without the repercussions. So you watch these shows where everyone's a train wreck and you're going, Hmm. "Wow, this is highly entertaining and everyone's a train wreck and look how fucked up their lives are. And you're getting this vicarious experience where, you think you're able to experience that without the negatives, but you're not really experiencing anything. You're just watching a fake story.
0: Or you look at these train wrecks, so you don't have to sit there and think about the train wreck of your own life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can, now you can sit there and you can point at them and, and laugh and like, ha, look at this fool, ha, 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 as if your life is not a bit of a disaster in certain aspects as well. Yeah. You know, we were talking yeah. about that before we started recording, you know, how people do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, like Dave Goggins has that whole line. He goes, all of my fears and insecurities are out there. I've written about it in my book. I've talked about it on podcast. It's all out there for people to rip apart. He's like, have at it. Go for it. He goes, just keep in mind that I know, I know you're fucked up too. When you're sitting there tearing <laughs> apart my life, I know that you're just better at hiding all of your stuff. So go right. ahead. He's like You're not any better than me. We're all screwed <laughs> up. And that, that was a really poignant point that I heard him, that, that I, when he made that, I go, wow, that's <clears throat> really real thing because it seems like the difference between people is some are just better at hiding, <laughs> you know, their, their fuck ups than others, but they love, but the people that are really good at hiding it, they love ridiculing other people who are not as good at hiding it or it just comes out in some way, but in deep inside, they know. That they're like, man, I hope my stuff doesn't come
0: out. <laughs> well know? the fact I mean the fact that they're even commenting on someone else's fuck up tells yeah. you everything you need to know about them. Because yeah, exactly. any other people that's got that they realize their own issues, they're not talking. In fact they're like, you know, in their head they're like, ooh, okay, I'm glad it's not just me. You know, I feel it. I understand. Right. And but you know, hey, you know, good on him for, you know, putting it out there. And who knows, you know, it may motivate other people to kind of like really put it out there, you know, or not. But at least motivate them to address it. But the ones that are bringing it up and pointing out someone else's mistakes and their demons, best believe they are. They are also working in the army, working for the army of demons. <laughs> They're going out. Uh, like, yeah.
1: It also brings up another point that I thought of is that. People like to put other people on a pedestal. And then when they don't live up to those expectations, they kick people, it right from under well, them. Well, <laughs> people are really disappointed. I go, but those are people, man. They're, they're just as fucked up as you are. Now you put them on a pedestal. They didn't ask you to put them on a pedestal. You did that. And they're because good. you want to believe that there's someone else out there who just has their shit together, understands the world, knows all these different things that you don't know. And you just want to believe that person is there. Now, they may be knowledgeable in many ways that you aren't, but that doesn't mean that they don't have the same problems that you do just in a different way. So there's no point being disappointed when they don't live up to your expectations because it was never their job to live up to your expectation.
0: I mean, you already set yourself up. I mean, you already got married to an idea. And so don't get, don't be butthurt when you have to divorce yourself from that idea. Okay, you should never propose in the first place because <laughs> it was not a relationship that was gonna work out for you by putting this person on that pedestal. So again, like say, like you said, they didn't ask to be put there. But one of the biggest issues you can always have is attaching yourself to these ideas because attachment. We already know how that works out for most people. So it's best to be as non-attached, especially to these. Unproven things as possible, you know. So it's like this. This, this is all imaginary. When you sit there, okay, oh, that person's like this, doesn't? Oh man, he's a big star. Like look at him. Oh man, I I love I love to be like him. Oh, I wish I could be that guy. See, that's just your first mistake right there. I don't right. want to be that guy because I don't know what that dude. I don't know his story and. Right. Even if I did know a story, what makes this story better than mine? I got a pretty epic fucking story at this point when I really sit there and think about it. I've, I've, I've seen some stuff. I've done some stuff and I'm continuing to do some things, you know, so I, I'm I'm good with my life. I don't need to try to live vicariously through someone else because, you know, even even if you're feeling down and feel like, oh, I've been through this and all these other things have happened. I mean, I just wish they hadn't happened. Like, no, nah, man, embrace that. Yeah, I know it's better, you know, easier said than done. But, hey, that's you're here you're still here at this point so obviously whatever the hell happened to you it didn't destroy you because you can actually sit here and talk about it there are a lot of people who are not around to tell their stories anymore yeah. <laughs> you know so especially in, in this past year so a lot of people are not here to tell their story so my thing is if i can sit here and still say that okay i'm not done then i'm not done at this point so i'm not going to sit there and just you know bow out you know, like, nah, you have to take me kicking and screaming, bro. Straight up, I still got, I still got some tales to come up with. You know, some more epic tales to happen.
1: I think, I think sometimes people hope that these are people I call research addicts, which I wrote about in my book many years ago. Yeah. And I go, research addicts are generally people that are trying to avoid making any mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. They're looking at other people. Go, okay, I'm going to learn from his mistake. I'm going to learn right. from his mistake. I'm going to learn from this. Now, when I was in college in my early 20s. I used to read all kinds of books and I would look at these epic fuck ups that some people made and I would be sitting there thinking, man, how did that person screw up that badly? I'm definitely not going to make that mistake. And guess what? Ten years. Not only did I make that same mistake, I made it even bigger (laughs) than the the book. And I'm like, how the hell did I get to this place? Because you, you can't. People always say you got to learn from other people's experiences, and to some extent, that's true. But the most important experiences you're going to learn are not going to be from someone else's experience. I promise no. you. That. <laughs> if anything, I
0: you can make that. you can compare and contrast, you know. So it was funny because uh, I don't know, man. For some reason, I just went on a. I, well, I, actually, um, I think I came across one interview that led me somehow to like a George Michael spree, and I was watching all these these interviews with him, yeah. Like, Right after the incident happened, you know, at um Will Rogers Park. And but basically just looking at I don't know, for some reason, I looked at him a lot differently this time because I was really reading his body language this time. And, you know, especially, you know, that he's passed away and, you know, all the speculation, things like that, that led up to his death, you know, what may have caused it. But you know, I'm just really looking at how he handled that situation. And and I'm looking at his body language. I'm like, OK, I honestly it seemed like that whole situation, he seemed relieved that it happened, and mainly the reason why he seemed relieved because basically everyone knew that he was gay, his, that didn't that, that mattered to him, his family, his people in his relationship, his friends, you know, which, you know, the people close to him, which, okay, I'm looking at now, there's something to be said about your inner circle. And, you know, especially the size of that inner circle, you know, it means a lot because I sit there and look at what, you know, what he went through and then how these people knew for years and it never truly came out, even though if anyone's paying attention, yeah. The signs were there, but no one could ever say it for sure. And he didn't have to because it was his private life, you know. And then I look at, like, Chadwick Bozeman who, you know, who played um Black Panther. Yeah. I look at how people, everybody in his inner circle knew about his cancer for four years. And yeah. it never leaked, you know. And then um there's another rapper that just passed uh, a few months ago, MF Doom, who died, like, on Halloween. But it wasn't released. His Like, his wife didn't post anything about it until... I think it was like, uh, Christmas. So it was two months, you know, in the music industry about someone's life who was pretty pop, especially in the underground hip hop and no one knew, <laughs> you know, so I was, you know, again, 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 looking at his inner circle. And so I think I was thinking about these things. So when I'm watching George talk of all of it, you could see that he was truly not bothered that the story came out because he's, like, eh, whatever. I made a mistake. So what? But hey, I did what I did, you know, but. You know, even his parents were very accepting. His dad called mainly because like, hey, you okay with all this? You know, with the press and all these. That was the main reason why it was such, it was so stressful for his life, of his life because of the press, because of the paparazzi. But then once he did that, it's like, okay, they had nothing else. They had nothing else for him at that point. Once that came out, he's like, okay, now what? And that was the end of it for the most part. It just really wasn't too much more. You know, he could go on living his life. So you, I sit there You sit and look at people and you think like, okay, if I'm going to look at someone's life and think about that, like, okay, that's that's the part of someone's life I'm going to look at and like admire. And, you know, and respect is when they can truly you see someone truly being themselves, being authentic. And when they're not being authentic, you know. The price of being inauthentic, how it, you know, works against them. They acknowledge that and they realize, well, now I can be transparent, be who I truly am and get on with my life. Now that's not as sexy as, you know, someone being rich and having all the fame and having all the likes and having all the followers and all this other stuff. You know, I said, but to me, (laughs) that, that is far sexier. You know, that, that's the stuff right there when you can just be as authentic as possible and be you and not give a fuck. I'm like, come on, man. How's that not, how's that not something you want to aspire to, <laughs> you know? But, but again, it's a lot of pain that comes with that. There's a lot of reflection that comes with that. That A lot of folks are not trying to deal with. I've been there before, you know, but you know, I'll tell you once you get there though, it's, that's a different type of drug. I mean, you can be yourself. That's a, that's a totally different addiction right there. I mean, you can truly say, I don't give a fuck. What What can you do to me? What can you do truly to me by, by me being who I am and living my life? You know, so just, that's just something. That's how I look at it. When you look at these other people's lives, I look at more of like, okay, I'm not going to point the finger. I'm looking like, okay, what did they learn? And is there some part of me that can, that can actually relate to this story? And if not, you know, from a personal experience, well, one thing that can help me relate to the story, I can be empathetic to people that go through these things and you know, like, Hey, you never know when you come across somebody that's going through something similar. Like, you know what, man? I was I was reading this book by David Goggins. It's like he went through the same situation, man, and blah, blah, blah. and you give this person a different perspective, you know, so you can be empathetic, at, you know, and, and not just sympathetic. So there's always, like I said, those ugly parts, you know, take a look at those sometimes, and then you can probably find some beauty in that. Hey, man, manure stinks, but hey, man, you, we need it to actually grow stuff that makes us help us, you know, walk around this earth as far as, you know, living and eating and things like that, so... Even shit has a place in life when you think about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's I think when you're always trying to live up to the expectations of others, it's impossible to live to your own expectations. Tiring, which is the only one that really matters is your own expectations. If you're living up to those, then you're doing fine. Just make sure that you have some good expectations (laughs) of yourself. But ultimately, that's what matters. But I, I think so many people are—they they can't live the way they want to, or they choose not to because they're so focused on the expectations of others. They don't want to disappoint this person, but they don't want to. But, but you're going to disappoint that person anyway because exactly. eventually it's going to come out that you're living a lie. This is not who you are. The sooner that person knows it, the better. Now you can get on with your life and, and do whatever you want. It reminds me, of, like I've been reading Rob Halford's book. I, actually, I just finished it a couple of days ago. Lead singer of Judas Priest. And everyone knows he's gay now, but he he was – he's obviously been gay his entire life. He just kept that under wraps right. during the 80s. He's the lead singer of a heavy metal band. He felt it would destroy the band if any of that stuff came out. So he, he had to live this double life where he had to constantly suppress that. He couldn't be who he was, and it was obviously really stressful for him. And I think he, he was so busy trying to live up to the expectations of others, his band members, his family, his fans, right that it had a real negative impact on his mental well-being. And eventually he finally came out, and it wasn't even that long. I mean, it was about 20 years ago, but he's been in a band since the early 70s. So that's a long time to not come out, 25, 30 years. And eventually he came out when someone on MTV just asked him about his sexuality, and he finally didn't avoid the question. He just hit it head on. And he said that was such a relief for him when he finally was able to do that. Because now he goes, Hey look, if I'm gonna lose some fair weather fans, fine. Who cares? I don't wanna live up to their expectations anymore. If my family's gonna turn their back on me, fine. They didn't, you know. But I think that was a fear in the back of his mind. Is the band gonna not wanna associate with me? No, they they don't care. They knew all along for the most part. Anyway. And so now now he's no longer living, trying to live up to the expectations of others. He can just live up to his own expectations. And obviously he's way happier as a result of that. But one of the funny things in his book is he talks about this is always cracks me up. He talks about how he kept falling in love with straight guys. But these guys would had a relationship with him. Right. They're having sex with him and all that. I go, well, they're not straight guys. You know? right. He's like, you know, they're straight guys who preferred women, but they were just fascinated by me. They wanted to be around me. He's so like, look... Uh, there's a lot of males that I <clears throat> admire, but I if I, I, w- I don't want to have sex with them, <laughs> you know, it, that's it's, it's, that's not something where I'm going. Well, shit, you know, if that's the only way I'm going to get close to this person. So be it. No, no, that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I, I just found it funny that in his mind he framed them as straight guys, where at the very least they're, by they're some, buying, yeah, you know?
0: <laughs> or you know, or you know, like um, <laughs> when one of my friends came out like years ago. You know, that person pretty much was in the same situation, always yeah. dating these so-called straight people. And I was like, I said, these are not straight people. These are confused people and, or these are... These are inconsiderate people because they don't give a fuck about your feelings because right. they want they want to live double lives and they they're lying to you and their partner at the same right. time. But right. one thing about it and most important, they're lying to themselves because they sit there and still claim they Not that any of these titles even matter. No, I, think exactly. you know, I think that's that's the biggest problem, right? They're Not trying to label all this: gay, straight, bi, fluid. It's just so many different things. It's like, look, you like what you like, and if you can just get to that point and just say, "I just like what I like." And go from that point, just like, okay, now you can address the other elephant in the room is like, okay, so are you going to agree to be dedicated to this person, this person or that person? Or do you want to be just to be free and and date who you want? Then you need to say that, you know, forget the titles. Let's talk about the actions and and then just admit that and, and roll with that and then let the other person decide if they're cool with it or not. Okay, Don't sit there and try to make the decision for someone. So that's the the biggest thing right there. Too many people get caught up in all these labels. These labels don't mean anything. It's how you're treating yourself and these other human beings is what it really comes down to. And so that's not even about a label. That's about an action.
1: I I think it's really hard for people to live authentic uh, authentic lifestyles authentically because they they just keep fearing what people are going to think about them, even people they don't know. And that's, that's the biggest impediment that I think a lot of people have. A lot of people are like, look, this is who I am and this is how I want to live. But they're thinking society can't handle that. I'm going to be ostracized if they know these things about me. Right.
0: And then the next question is, okay, so what if they do? What if they do find out what's going to happen? (laughs) I mean, we're in 2021. I mean, especially if you're here in America, are are they going to stone you for a certain lifestyle? (laughs) You know, so, you know, know,
1: superficial level, a lot of people are addicted to social media because not only do they have this fear of missing out, they feel like if they're not constantly on there, people are going to forget about them. But. (laughs) If people forget about you because you're not on there for a week or two,
0: we're then, those who cares about those people? Like, yeah. I've
1: been off for almost ten days now. I've had maybe like two people reach out to me and be like, "Hey, man, uh, I noticed you're not on Instagram. I just want to see if everything's all right." And I'm like, hey, oh, "I appreciate it." That that's yeah. about the you know. <laughs> so out of nine thousand people that follow me, two actually noticed that I'm not on there anymore. And I know. And I've
0: seen you do this before. I'm like, well, you've done this before. When I look and I see the blank space where we like you DM me. But all of a sudden it says Instagrammer instead of saying Mahler. <laughs> you know I was like, I said, I said, oh, Mike's taking a break from Instagram again. Or he's probably said, fuck it. I said, you, you've been here before. And it doesn't matter because you, you can email me and you can text me, which you yeah, did. Well, you, and so, I talk,
1: you and I don't communicate. I mean, we, we have communicated on Instagram, but we're friends. We have each other's phone numbers right. and we talk through other means. So it's. I mean, if, if you weren't on there for a month, it, you know, I'm not on, and I, I might not notice that, but I wouldn't notice. I it was not. It's not because you and I aren't communicating. It was, we're right. communicating anyway, so I'm. I would right. do the same thing. I would think, okay, he's just taking a break. He's not on here because of that. But it just goes to show you that
0: yeah, your fans, you know, know really like
1: there, trying to get likes from people over. And I've been guilty of this too. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about myself here as well. You waste a lot of time on there trying to get positive attention from strangers, yeah. and when you're not on there, none of those people care
0: because they're they're looking at someone else.
1: Right now, Some if I come they, back on they, in two weeks and I start posting my workouts again, it's going to be like, oh man, I also been oh, nice. oh, back, and <laughs> oh, man, it looks like you've been keeping busy. You know, it's going to be all that bullshit. But
0: even if they even if, if they even notice that, because then they may not even notice that you were gone. They just be <laughs> yeah. like, oh, That's also like him. They'll say to themselves, like, damn, man, I wasn't – his shit wasn't popping up in my timeline for a while there. It's kind of weird. And they'll just go on about their business.
1: Right. You know? And most people are on – most people are not on there because they care about what anyone else is posting. They're on there to get attention for what they're posting. <laughs> right. So they don't notice it's – like, it's like this one – it's like people that want to be really famous. They want a lot of people to know them. But they don't want to know a lot of people.
0: So they They end up having they have like 1.2 million followers and they're following two people, right? (laughs) They follow two people and people constantly comment on their post and they never reply to anybody. Even even, I've even seen that with people who are even famous, you know, replying to someone that's famous and they the famous person won't reply to that person. I was like, dude, are you serious right now? You know, I've seen I've seen like. I've seen like, again, going back to wrestlers or whatever, I've seen like WWE wrestlers post something and like, you know, especially like with the women and then other women in the in the industry will compliment them or give them some say something encouraging. And the post, the person that really, that posted won't even reply back. I was like, are you, what is wrong with y'all? It's like, you, you can't even at least hit the heart button just to say you like whatever they replied with. It's like, right. God, it's like you're so in, so, you're in your world so deeply that you just can't even like hit that. There's a heart button right there by their comment. You know that, right? You don't have to sit there and type something out. Just hit it and go. It's like, and I see them consistently do that sometimes. I was like, God, a lot of times even with, I, that's why I really don't, on Instagram, I really don't follow a lot of like celebrities <laughs> for yeah. the most part. Just because of stuff, pain. because of stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so. And because there's, there's nothing inspiring about that. And I really feel like that is such an asshole move. I'm just like, do uh, you feel like you're that important that you can not even reply back to your peers? Even sometimes you're even your coworkers, you know, even though they may be like, well, I talked to them in real life. Well, I'm just like, dude, they still gave you a compliment on a public forum or whatever. And you just like right. you can just say thanks. I mean, I've had my friends or whatever. say something. I still comment, even though I know I can talk to them on the phone. I'll still reply right. back to the comment right there. Right. So I like, I'm not going to just leave them hanging. So I don't know. I, I, I that's think, just I, me. I had home training, so I don't know. Oh blame yeah. my mom. <laughs>
1: so. Look, the good thing with these 30 day challenges or 30 day deprivations is that you you learn a lot about yourself. Yep. That's the real most important thing about it. And like I'm learning a lot about myself cutting out the edibles. I learned that I was using it as a crutch. It wasn't something that was celebratory anymore or fun. It was just something that became a habit and it became a crutch and I was just numbing myself from things that I don't want to know myself to, the things that I want to address, so that that's a lot right there. You learn a lot about yourself. what right. if I never cut it out? I wouldn't have come to that conclusion and then same thing with with instagram it's not as it's not as poignant as that right. or as deep as that, but it was more am I doing anything useful on here? and if the answer right. is no, then why am I on here when I could like, be doing like, something what am i what am I getting out of this yeah, you and know? then then I started wondering am I going out and doing cool shit just so I can film it and post it on here, would I still be doing any of that stuff? (laughs) And the answer is an emphatic no, because I'm still doing all that stuff. I'm skateboarding every day. I'm going hiking. I'm doing fun stuff. I'm just not documenting any of it. And to tell you the truth, that's a relief. You know, it's a relief to go to the gym and not document any of it. You just work. And I'm working out like a savage right now. And I'm not documenting a fucking thing. (laughs) So I'm doing this for myself. You know, so you learn some positive things too. Because if I were doing it just for attention from others or Instagram, I probably wouldn't be working out at all. I'd be like, "Oh, what's the point of working out? No one's gonna know." You know, now I'm the only guy who knows what I'm doing there because I'm in a new gym too. Where I don't even know anyone in there. <laughs> you know, so, so it's it's. But but I'm pushing myself harder now than I was before. So I know that I, know, I learned that about myself that this is something that is for me. It's always been for me. I, I was just using it as a way to try to get some positive attention from others as well, which I realize now I don't need, you know, I don't need it. I never needed it, but I know for a fact, I don't need it now.
0: Yeah. I'm the same way. Like when I go to the range, I don't sit there and I'm I'm probably like when I first got into this industry, I would take some shot, you know, some pictures sometimes when I'm at the range, you know, uh, but really I don't even think I've ever like just filmed myself and posted that. I've done a couple of lives when I've been with students, but that's for business sake. I want them to hear me instruct and see how I'm, you know, you know, teaching and using that as marketing. But then again, I stopped. I only did it a couple of times. I realized I said, honestly, I need it. I want to focus all my attention on my student, even though, even though I know I have some who are, you know, they, they can handle themselves. But yet, and still, I want to also be aware of what's going on around us in the, in the, range as well so even though they're good shooters and they're they have everything handled i want to be a, you know make sure that i'm aware when there's other amateurs in the range yeah. <laughs> you know so so therefore i can protect that student so they can just focus on you know shooting or whatever so i never really was much into filming all that stuff or whatever because uh, but other than that i just really i everything i do is pretty much for me at this point like if anything when i'm reposting anything you know when i'm on there it might be things like you'll see me like posting like all these badass cabins and everything so that's me pretty much to stay focused like okay this is the this is one of my end goals right here to have a nice cabin a little bit off the grid just to be even more isolated from people. You know, because and and have more quiet and reflect and just yeah, I can grow my own food and just do all this other stuff and just truly like again that's just like one of the end goals in mine. You know, so every time I see stuff like that, I love to repost that. But then also to kind of just you know, anybody I have some friends who like the same thing, I want them to see that as well. And so just get people thinking about stuff like that. Other than that, you know, if it's something that can help you think, you know, because it helped me think, I want to share it. You know, I'll share it or whatever, but I really kind of cut back on it. I'm just like I said, I'm really, I'm really on there at this point. And it's just because honestly, like I was telling you before the call, like I'm so wrapped up in what I'm doing now for the last few months. I really just don't have time. You know, yeah. <laughs> and some of my folks, some of my friends who are like, listen to the show, they know that because on a Sunday, all of a sudden they'll probably get like, five, 10, 15 likes all of a sudden in their DMs because this from all the private messages they've sent me during the week. And I just, I set off a block of time on Sunday and that's when I just pretty much, I answer those. But again, most is for people that I know at that point, you know, so that, that inner circle, cause I'll, but they also know like, well, they know I'm okay because they can always call me. That's the thing about it. So
1: well, I think also for someone who's wondering, is this a waste of time or am I using it for narcissistic reasons? Okay. You're going to find out the answer when you cut yeah. it out for 30 days. Because right. once you cut it down for 30 days and you start jonesing like, Oh man, you know, I need to get back on there. So I get some validation. Once you start feeling like that, now you have your answer. You have your answer. And or it if you're you use it for business. business, it doesn't mean you shouldn't yeah, go back. So when you go back, you're going to have a different perspective and you're going to do things differently more effectively. Exactly,
0: and if you aren't using it for business, then you know you take that thirty days, and then you'll see see how your business does without you being there actively for thirty days. Yeah, and let's see what really happens, and you might see a change because you'd be able to focus offline on your business a lot more and and, and really build it up that way, where you were distracting yourself by trying to really focus on building things up, to getting this online presence. But there's the thing about it: when you're online, there's a lot more distractions for that potential audience that you're trying to capture. Okay. Whereas offline, they're actually getting to get a a more organic experience with you as well. So that's actually might be, that actually will help your business. So again, again, if you are telling yourself, Hey, I'm only here for business again, take those 30 days and use that without necessarily spending that on social media and seeing what your business does and document it because the numbers don't lie. You can tell yourself whatever you want in your head if you're not documenting you're not looking at the numbers, looking at the figures you're not doing any of that stuff you're just guessing at best and or you're lying to yourself at worst so
1: yeah I mean and there's a lot there's a lot of benefits to using these these platforms platforms yeah. as well, and yeah. one of the things I liked about documenting a lot of my workouts is I'm able to go back and look at things I did two years ago or three years ago. Yeah. Sometimes I haven't done an exercise in a while and I start doing it and it feels off and I go, huh, what am I doing wrong? And I can scroll through my feed when I was doing it at a higher level and look at my technique and go, okay, that's what I'm doing wrong. So, and, and this is cool just to have it. It's cool just to have that as it's almost like a, like a photo book of right. the last several years. You're have, you have all these things that in my case, just documenting different training clips, it's nice to be able to go back and look at some of those things just yeah. to have it there. So it's, so it's cool for doing things like that. And, it, and I set up a page for one of my dogs, Raina, and I'm able mm-hmm. to put up pictures of her and Grover and the other dogs. And that's cool too, because yeah, I could have all those pictures in my computer, but it's also nice to have it in one area where it's easy to scroll through these things. So I mean, it's, and
0: it lasts forever. So if you were to lose your phone or you know, something right. would happen. You know, here's the thing about it. The internet is forever once it's up right. there,
1: you know? Right. Right. So there's definitely, I mean, it's it's all, if, if you're, it's whether it's, it's not positive or negative. It's, it's, it's all about how you use it. So I never look at Instagram like, oh man, Instagram is such a waste of time. It's like, no, it's, it's a waste. Of, it may be a waste of time the way you're using it. Right. But it doesn't mean that it's a waste of time because there's a lot of people that do good stuff on there. I'm talking about nonprofits that use it for fundraising purposes for getting animals adopted, and they use and it's very effective. They found a way to make it very effective for that and that's those are the kind of people I follow on there I'm not following people that are narcissists posting pictures of their abs every day. I don't get irritated by that because I don't see it. You know, I don't right. follow people like that. I follow some friends that put their workout clips, and that's cool. I like to do that. But I mainly follow a lot of nonprofits on there where I see all the good stuff they're doing. Sometimes that's overwhelming, too, because there's only so much support you can give.
0: Yeah, and you're, that's why you start being like, okay, I gotta make more money.
1: <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, you know, every cause, single cause I come across, and I know, I know it's all worthy of donations, but I, I just have to prioritize what is most important. Because I, I can't just donate to every single organization. That used to give me
0: sometimes, like looking at like your timelines, and I'm like, fuck. Okay, uh, I, like damn, I just gave this, 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 and I'm like, okay. <laughs> now I've seen it. I can't, I can't act like I didn't see it. Now I gotta. <laughs> it's like. This means something to me. I gotta like send them something, you know. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that can be stressful. I'm like, you know what? You know what really helps? Like, how about you just repost it. Okay, so, but that helps too. I'm like, I am said, yeah, but in, some, in people some people way. on the internet are flakes, so I don't know if I reposted it sometimes. <laughs> so like I said, I still need to, I need to give something.
1: Like, well, you know, the problem with that is, is like, look, whenever when, I told Ty whenever he goes on a mission, just send me a text, and I'll take a screenshot and post it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's an effective way to show where the money actually it's goes. It's like, look, this is real. This is what these guys do. Yeah. And those posts always get a lot of likes. But do they get a lot of donations? No. Yeah, what I, people see it and they like it and they feel like they did something. To <laughs> right. And then they'll congratulate me. And I was like, look, I didn't put this up to <clears> congratulate myself. I'm not the one who went <laughs> on a mission. Yeah, I donate, but I, I keep it to myself how much I donate. Right. I'm not looking for attention for any of that stuff. And anyway, I'm not looking for attention, period, honestly. I'm not. I'm not posting something like that hoping a lot of people think I'm a great guy. I could care less about that. I want to... Spread really the word good. and ideally get them donations because that's what saves kids. And if yeah, people do is to... they like it and they comment, they're like, "Oh man, this is awesome!" Blah 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 blah. But maybe one person probably donated out of everyone. That's,
0: that's why I do that. Like whenever you post that, and when I repost it, I always put a little comment mm-hmm. on there. I'm like, "Join Mike and myself." <laughs> and financially supporting, you know, Ty's organization because they're out here doing the real work, you know, and yada, yada, yada. So, therefore, people are like, ah, ooh, okay.
1: I just can't just like this. Like, ooh. <laughs> but also, all. I know people, and you know them too, that are very financially successful. And sometimes they comment on their, hey, this is awesome. Yeah. And then I'll talk to them offline. I'm like, hey, did you make a donation? And they have nothing to say. And they could definitely make a big donation and it wouldn't affect them once. And right. that, that's really irritating to me. So on one hand, they they want to they see a post like that. They feel the need to like it and say something. And they, they in their mind, they think they actually did something doing that. But right. it would have been more useful if they just made a donation and didn't do anything other than that.
0: Yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, just like we were talking about earlier, I I have no expectations for folks like that. You know, like <laughs> well, like my thing I, is like, OK, I, I'm here's what I'm going to do my part. So I'm going to repost this. And I'm going to ask that, you know, people join us in in donating. And that's all I can do. What people do after that is none of my business. And therefore, I'll never be disappointed, (laughs) you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, I know what I did. I did what I had to do. Like, I don't do I donate, but I I share the information and that's all that matters. So because at the end of the day, I always ask when there's a problem, Okay, so what are you doing about it? So that even that even comes down to me. So instead of getting upset, I'm like, what did you do, though? I'm like, oh wow! Well, I donate every month, and now I've got my family donating. And, and I reposted it, and I'll repost every time Mike posts one of those text screenshots or whatever. I'm like, okay, there you go. Move on. Tell so like, my keep doing that because that's all you can do at the end of the day.
1: Well, I mean, it, it reminds me of that last episode of Spartacus where Spartacus is talking to Crassus, and Spartacus tells Crassus, he goes, "On the battlefield tomorrow, I'm going to kill you." And Crassus goes, "No, you're going to try." And then Spartacus <laughs> right. goes. Hey, that's all a free man can do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really like that exchange. <laughs> yeah, that's, it basically summarizes what you just said. You know right. you can't, you, that's all you can say. Like, look, I know what I'm doing. I know that I can step up and donate whatever I'm donating. And I do that. So that, that, that's my conscience is clear with that. Now right. I can spread awareness, but I don't have any attachment to the outcome of that or any control over the outcome of that. It's like in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, you focus on your actions, but not the results of your actions. Exactly. don't have any control over that. So all I can do is post that little clip and I'm not doing it for virtue signaling. I'm not posting this screenshot. So people tell me how great I am. I'm being perfectly honest when I say that I'm doing it to spread awareness, to show people what this organization does, to show that it's real. And if one person donates five bucks from that and they become a monthly donor, great. And I I, I know a few people who did. They told me privately, they're like, wow, thanks for posting this up. I wasn't aware of this. I just started donating this amount. I'm like, hey, great. (laughs) That's the whole reason why I post these things. And who knows? Maybe other people will down the line. But like I said, like like you just said, we don't have any control over that. So if if, if you're constantly attached to, if I do this, I expect this, you're going to be really disappointed. Man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man,
0: big time. So... And, you know, honestly, that even goes beyond just even post or whatever. It goes with just any aspect of life. It's just like, are you doing what you can possibly do at this moment about that situation? Okay. Mm -hmm. Somebody, did you exhaust every possible resource to make it happen? Okay. Well, then that's it. That's all you can do. There's nothing more. You know, so if you sit there and, you know, there's a situation that you think there's a problem and you do one thing. And, and there's the problem's still there. Did you exhaust every resource? And you're like, well, no, I mean, I could have done this. OK, well, then do that. If it's that important to you to solve this problem, if not, then move on and don't complain about it anymore at this point. So, again, like I said, you can only do what you're physically, mentally, emotionally capable of doing for yourself. OK, you can't control other people. So, I mean, in an ideal world, we want people to be. A certain way and doing certain things, but that's an ideal world. That's why it's called utopia. Okay, it's like, but it doesn't work that way because everybody has their own agendas. Everybody's got their own shit, man, that they're dealing with. You know, so my whether good, bad, or in between. You know, how you describe it doesn't even matter. It's just their shit. Their shit is their shit, and yours is yours. So that's all you can do is focus on yours.
1: That's a really good point because a lot of times we're disappointed when people don't live up to our expectations just like we're we're disappointed when other people don't live up to our when yeah. other people when we don't live up to other people's expectations we're also disappointed when some people don't live up to ours and sometimes we're not even thinking <laughs> about what's going on in that person's life. I mean, we yeah. have no idea. They could have just lost their mother. They could have just, they, they could be dealing with some serious financial stress where they're going, look, the last- Lost their, their
0: job, it, or it may not be, it might even be in yeah. line with, yeah, you know, with fair their fair values. Fair it fair
1: might, fair might fair be in line with their values. I'm barely making rent right now. I can't donate anything to this. I can. I can. I don't even know how I'm gonna. My car is going to be repossessed soon. I don't know how I'm putting food on the table. You know, we don't know always what's going on, and we definitely don't know on Instagram because people always put up like used the call their greatest the greatest hits. hits. So it's <laughs> like here's me smiling having dinner when the reality is, you know, that
0: was that the dude, only meal they had that week, okay. and, it was, and they had yeah. leftovers.
1: That was like the sixth <laughs> time they ate that
0: meal that week. You know, <laughs> they don't want to tell anybody and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but at the like, same time, it's like well. I made this fabulous meal. Like, oh, Sunday night food prep is like you do. Basically, that's pretty much all you had in your refrigerator. And that's OK. You don't have to share that with the world, though. It's like, yeah. are you eating? You know, do you have a place to sleep? Do you have a roof over your head? Then that's all that matters. Who cares about all this putting on these fronts like, oh, I'm putting all this food in Tupperware and I'm prepping for the sun. But you're basically saying like, OK, I got to stretch this food out for a while because things are a little tough right now. But right. I got this image that I got to uphold. You know, and so, like, who gives a damn? It's like, just make take care of yourself, man. Take care of yourself. It doesn't even matter what these people think and how many likes you get. Like, just don't go hungry if you got the food there.
1: Yeah, the it people that irritate me most on Instagram, and like I said, you don't have to follow these people, and obviously I don't. But, I, but I, at one point I did, so I saw what they're posting. And it's the people that are self-proclaimed life coaches, where they're always talking about what people need to do. Like, you, you people need to focus on this. You need to focus on that. You need to get this. Like, they're fucking the grand wizard of how to live life fully. <laughs> and I go, man, once you focus on your own shit, you're on here telling everyone else what they need to be doing, when in reality, the only reason you're talking about that is because you know that's what you need to be doing.
0: You know, that sounds so weird. Yeah. I had one of those quiet moments you, we were talking about earlier. Well I was just kinda reflecting and for some reason there was a certain um per like social media personality. You know, I I first became aware of this person like on a cover of like um of a yoga magazine, you know. And you know, and I was like, okay. Like first of all, she was very beautiful. Very beautiful, but it was just something about her. And then just reading the article it was like it seemed very down to earth and genuine, or whatever. And then they eventually went on to become a life coach, of course, and you know, a sex coach, and all this other stuff. And they always talked about all these things. To, I mean, you know, she was doing great work. She would go over to India, and she would go and um, she would raise awareness and money, to, you know, for you know women that were abused over in India and things like that. And she she was doing all these great things, but. At the end of day, it seemed like her life was great. She seems so grounded and whatever else. And then just out of nowhere, dude, I'm like, there was times that we actually communicated with each other, like on Facebook. <clears throat> and and then just one day, I just see that, and it was with little fanfare, she had committed suicide. Wow. You know, it's just like. And wow. dude, it kind of, it kind of reminds me like, um, that one doctor that, um, that you had, like, um, that you were familiar with, whatever that, you know, talked about that. And when he committed suicide, just kind of like, again, going back to the disappointment, oh, yeah. how you were disappointed about that. Like, dude, that just kind of really, it really, not only disappointment, it just kind of fucked my head up. I'm like, man, she just seemed, again, seeming like, like she had everything together and like everything was going so great. She was doing all these great things. And you just didn't even, no one even, I don't think anyone ever knew the demons that, you know, she was dealing with. Or whatever. Yet no matter what, she still felt like she could not continue to go on in this life. I mean, this was, I mean, she had a son and like they were very, very close and always, you know, doing things together, whatever. So I, of course that's the first thing that comes to my mind because being a parent, I'm thinking about her son and how close yeah. they were, you yeah. know, and pretty much how he's dealing with this, you know, and again, it made me kind of, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I said, now why were you so disappointed? I'm like, yeah, y'all communicated a couple of times and, you know, but you kind of propped her up a little bit or whatever. And at that time, not realizing that, you know, you just stick to your main mantras that, you know, this is a human being like everyone else. So even in that moment, I got caught slipping, you know, and just kind of expecting things like, okay, this is a good person. This is a great person. And, you know, and you expected her to continue to be that and not have any other issues. And then there was other things going on, especially as I reflect more and more, you know, Especially these last few years on mental health, you know, just really, it just made me really think about that and just really think about that aspect, like how everybody's dealing with so much shit. And like we were just talking about before we started recording, especially after this, this level of the pandemic, you know, kind of subsides and the next level starts and people kind of are out more than they are now. You're going to see so many epic levels of PTSD now. It's Whereas it's not just a certain community or a certain, you know, profession is going to own, you know, the ones who are like the most affected by PTSD, you're going to start seeing globally this, this increase in people dealing with PTSD just from this, this pandemic or whatever. So it's going to be such, it's going to be such a much larger need for mental health specialists. Well, hell, even the mental health specialist is going to need a mental health specialist at this point, after all this is said and done. So that's just one of those aspects that I think it's going to need a lot more attention, you know, to my whether it be, you know, with science, with with financing, with grants, whatever is the mental health aspect. Because, look, man, it, like we're saying at this point, I think just about everyone at this point is on some spectrum on the bipolar spectrum at this point. You know, no, everybody's yeah. kind of dealing with everybody's dealing with these demons more than ever, you know, or they got new demons that, you know, they like, whoa, yeah. they weren't even aware of at this point. So no doubt.
1: Well, I, mean, I, think, I think with the thing with the, all the mental health you're talking about, when uh, when when people commit suicide, you're like, man, I can't believe that person did it. Honestly, I don't really have that reaction. No, I, I could. You, wait, I'll I tell mean, you I what. I've, I've been through periods in my life where I've been suicidal, I, I, for sure. Not 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 where I actually like put together a plan on how I would do it. I've just been through periods where I'm like, why am I even alive? My life has no meaning, and what, what what's the point of me from being here? Right. And, I've, and I've I've been to that really dark place, and it still happens now. I, I get I can get into that downward spiral real fast. So it's I, I get it. I get it. And I also understand how a lot of us try to heal ourselves by doing real strong acts of generosity. You support Project Child Safe. You you have this affinity to helping animals because you're very empathetic to their suffering. A lot of the things I do come from a place of mental health issues where it's I'm trying to use it as a coping mechanism, try to give my life purpose so I have a reason to keep breathing. And it, it can easily go in the other direction no matter what you do. So when like this person you're talking about who was doing all these amazing things, she was doing that as a way to just fill that hole in her soul. Oh, you know, yeah. maybe she'd been through some horrible stuff as a kid. Yeah.
0: I think she was sexually assaulted and, you know, I think she was well, raped at a you know, young age. And so that
1: explains it even further because yeah, I, exactly.
0: when you, when you get into the story, then you realize like, ah, you know, it's like, and now I'm at, you know, more and more, I'm at the point when I'm seeing people doing great things. My first question is, I wonder what their story is. Yeah. You know, I wonder what brought them here. And I think one of those reasons why, even even though I've known you for years or whatever, even just so much, even when you wrote your book, you know, I feel like, okay, I think, I said, you know, honestly, now I feel like a lot of people will understand why you do the things that you do Yeah. at this point, when they yeah. really started looking at your story. Even though you've talked about your story, like in seminars or whatever, but, you know, it's a little bit broader being in the book because, you know now people have access to the story that didn't necessarily show up to a workshop or something like that and you know and understand why you got into hormone optimization the way you did and what led you here and all this other all this other stuff i was like okay i think there's gonna be a lot of people that you know when you put the book out i I think it's gonna be a lot of people gonna read that and be like oh shit, it's not just me and okay so here's how he's going with this so you know what can i do to address my issues in this situation too or or help someone that I know that's been in a similar situation or get a better understanding what they went through as well. <clears throat> because a lot of times people just don't get it. Like, well, why, why would you want to do that when this has happened to you? <laughs> you know? So I, I just feel like when you just hear people's stories, like I said, once I truly, like once I heard her story, her personal story and, you know, truly understood them, like it made a lot more sense. Yeah. And cause like I said, I, I've been in those dark places before too, you know? <laughs> and, Again, a lot of people didn't have access to to the why it was happening. Hell, for years, you know, you got to ask yourself why. Like, why am I like this? Why do I go there? You know, what do I think about this? And, you know, once you become a little bit more self-aware, even when you're kind of feeling those situations, you know, you can kind of be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and a lot of that also hap you know, helps when your hormones are a little bit in check or you're more in tune with your body. And when those things are happening, you kind of like, OK, I think my hormones might be a little off, you know, because this is starting to happen a little more often than usual. Right. And so and I've had that and I'm like, oh, time to go get a test. And then I get the test like, yep, just all you did was confirm what I was already feeling. And I had a feeling this is the number I was feeling. They was around as well. You know, yeah. so again, people, the numbers.
1: They don't lie, so you know <laughs> you can tell yourself yeah, whatever. Wonder's what their testosterone levels are, and then they go get a blood test, and it's a really good number. all right? <laughs> the, the second you start wondering, like, huh, I wonder what my levels are, that means they're probably not very good. And right. When you're really concerned, and w- when you feel like shit, you know they're not good. You don't right. have to test even. You just you're just doing what you just did. You want to confirm it, and yeah. that's just one hormone. So we don't want to get overly fixated on testosterone because there's so many others that are just exactly. as important, not more important. But but a lot a lot of, when you're even wondering, I promise you the numbers are not good, and when you and when you're when and when you think they're not good, you're gonna confirm that they're not good. You know? Right. It's not gonna be like, Oh wow, my T levels are through the roof, huh? Because yeah. it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm,
0: I'm pretty much, I'm on the numbers go Okay, what, how much of what I need to, what do I need and how much of it do I need to start addressing this? That's what I'm needing numbers for. It's like, I already know they're off because, I'm like you said, I'm thinking about it. You know, like when things are great, you're not thinking about that. You're like, when you sit well, there and you're killing it and you're crushing it and, you know, and man, you're like, you're getting optimal sleep your workouts are going great you know you're confident and whatever you're not saying like man I wonder what my testosterone numbers are right now (laughs) you're not thinking about that you're just like I'm gonna keep killing I'm just keep killing the game bro (laughs) that's what you're thinking about you're like well you know what can I knock out next like you know you you just feel like oh I got this the last thing you're doing is questioning yourself like hmm how are you getting this so much though (laughs) so how did you get this how are you crushing it what is the deal
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, someone like me, you deal with, you deal with pretty extreme highs and lows. This is the way my brain is wired. So I go through periods where the highs are really high. In other words, I feel incredible. I feel unstoppable. I feel motivated. I'm ready to crush everything I'm trying to do. And I love that feeling. And when you feel like that, you just want it to last forever. But I've been through the, pendulum swing so many times, I know it's not going to last forever. Right. Eventually, it's going to swing the other way. And now I'm going to have really low lows. I'm not going to have lows like some people have, where it's like right. you're a little bit off. I'm going to be really off. And it's going to be hard for me to get out of bed in the morning. It's going to be hard for me to get my workouts in. It's going to be hard to enjoy anything. And you're just going to have to work through that. And like I've said a million times, the therapist I went through before the pandemic, she said, you're always trying to get out of that situation as fast as possible to get back to the optimal side. And you just have to stay there and figure out what it is you need to learn there. Don't be in, right. don't panic when you're in that state. Don't be like, oh fuck, I'm in that state again. How do I get out of this as soon as possible? It's right. like, no, take a breather, figure out why you, why you're feeling that way. What lesson can you learn from that? And that, that advice was tremendous for me. It really made a big difference because when I hit those lows now, I usually, They usually don't last as long as they used to. You know, I could be in a low period for a month. Now it's more like a week or so because I don't try to get out of it. I take her advice. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling off. I'm just going to admit that I'm feeling off. I'm not going to try to take five new supplements to get back to optimal or you know, right. just start fiddling around with biochemistry right now because I know how to get back to optimal. But right now I'm not optimal for something I need to figure out why. Something yeah. that's um, personally it's not necessarily even. Something that's externally, something internally that needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah. One thing I've noticed, you know, in those situations, I, I tend to see people who, like you mentioned before, who have addictive behaviors tend to behave that way and respond that way. Oh yeah. You know, you know, so I mean, you know, I've, I'm around someone with an addictive behavior and it's the same way. It's like, Oh, it's like extreme highs in extreme lows, but it's rarely that, that, that middle ground, right. you know, and in right. fact, when they're in that middle ground, they're like, okay, what's, what's wrong? What is, okay. What What's the problem? <laughs> you know, if something's not you know, going yeah. extreme one way or the other, they feel like something's off. And I'm like, right. no, this is, this is the good space, that middle part, that gray area is where you want to be right now. Right. <laughs> you know? So, and, and so I think that was the issue like with my wife and I, you know, she's like that. She has everything effective behavior. And, you know, but one thing when she's, like you said, when things are going great, man, she just, boom, she is on. When things right. are low, it's like, it's a crash. And, you know, I'm usually sitting here in the middle. And for the longest, she would think, like, that was, you know, it was almost like, dude, you are you good? <laughs> you know, because it was just so looking at both sides all the time. You right. know, like, like, it was far. never too extreme either way for me. You know, oh. because I'm just like, eh, I'm always thinking about someone needs to remain calm. You know, because this world is chaotic as it is. And so I said, I've always been the one that just want to be, I kind of like, I want to be a gray man in a lot of things where you can just kind of blend in because I feel like I've kind of like, okay, when people are like extreme on one side or the other, you can help kind of bring them back to balance and like, it's going to be good. You're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, whereas, you know, we're frustrated. She's like, I just want you to get excited by something. I said, Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> She's like, really? Did you hear? Did you listen to you. Do you say, sound like you're excited? I said, no, I'm good because I'm so detached from so many things. I'm like, but the thing is, it you know, like just say like for example, when we first got our first house together, and then once it was finalized, it's like, okay, we close. She goes, oh my god, aren't you excited? We close on the house. I'm like, that's cool. I'm I'm happy. She goes, really? <laughs> I said, well, I said, at the end of the day, it's, it's a house. I yeah. said, so it can burn down, it can do whatever else. I said, but at the end of the day, I said, I said, along as as with you, I'm good. I don't care. We can be under a freeway in a cardboard box now. It won't be as optimal. <laughs> you know, it won't look as good as this house, but you know, I'm like, we'll figure it out because we're two creative minds. We're highly intelligent and we'll figure it out. So obviously something extreme had to happen for us to be living under a bridge. So if, you know, if we lost all our money, I know we can make it again. You know, I'm not worrying about things like so. That's how I look at it. I said, because these are things to me, you know, the things that truly matter, you know, it's just like, you don't necessarily have to be extremely excited about it. But one thing about it, because it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's so, it's a marathon. So I'm not suddenly trying to blow, blow a gasket. I'm like, oh my god, I'm married to the greatest woman in the world. Ah, doing Tom Cruise jumping up on couches and everything. But now look at him. <laughs> okay, so
1: well, you know what? That's actually a really good point because a lot of relationships are bipolar too. They have these oh, super highs and they have these super lows, and those kind of relationships never last ever. They're no. never going to last. It's toxic. It's too. It's it's too much. It's too much. It's too back and forth. I and mean, you and I know people that have been in relationships like that. Oh, we really know right. one guy in particular. That was in a marriage like that for a long time. Oh my god. <laughs> we won't we won't bring him up, but anyone who knows him knows who we're talking about. Right. But you know what's funny, the the way you just I'm I'm similar to you in some ways, I'm similar to her in some ways, Paulette, because yeah. I'm on I'm on those I'm I'm that I'm that addictive personality and I deal with the highs and lows as well. But I'm also like you where I don't get excited about material things. Like when we bought our house, Carol and I, I wasn't jumping up for joy. I was like, Okay, great. You know, so what? Not that I was like uh like disappointed or anti, yeah, you're I still was grateful. Thought it was yeah. cool, but I wasn't like, yeah, fuck yeah, we bought a house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't like that. She was more excited than I was. But Carol's also like you in the sense that her person, her mood is very steady. You know, she doesn't yeah. deal with super highs and super lows. She's very steady, right? And right. no matter what's going on, that's just the way she's wired. Yeah. So it's it's, it's, well, it's which, an,
0: which is a good thing because for two people. To have the exact same personality is not great. So if both of y'all were steady, y'all be boring as fuck. Okay. Y'all probably wouldn't get a lot done. You know? So everything would just be too calm. To the point where there is no excitement. If you were both like truly extreme, then you got a Bobby and Whitney situation. I think even Bobby Brown had to kind of pull back. I think even Whitney Houston was too extreme for Bobby Brown. He's
1: like, what?
0: You keep smoking crack. I'm going to go ahead and smoke weed because I I just somebody needs to be calm in this situation. Yeah. So, you know, just yeah, you just can't have it. It's kind of like a Kim Kardashian and Kanye. I think when you have two ultra uber narcissists together, you know, at some point, like even Kanye, I think, had to pull back. I'm like, his narcissism can even compete with Kim's. Oh. <laughs> so He's like, you know what? I'm going to let you make it. You can have all the camera time. I'm going to go to Wyoming. You know it's extreme when a brother decides to move to Wyoming. Okay. Oh yeah. So you no, know man. he wants some that man wants some peace. <laughs> so he he is like going he's ex, he's going to an extreme to get peace.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, was, I'm hang out with Ted Turner uh, and the bison. Okay, that's all I'm yeah. gonna do.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're you're taking your you're you're marginalizing yourself at an extreme level to avoid <laughs> what you're dealing with. I mean, you bring up stuff that reminds me of my first marriage where she was way more bipolar than I am. And it was similar to what you just said. It was like, look, I got my own mental health issues. I got to deal with your demons now. This is too much. Right. It's so so it's like, it's like someone has to you can't have two people that have the same exact problem. Now, she didn't <laughs> have the same exact problem because I was nowhere near as bad as her mentally. I mean, I have my little swings, but not like her. Hers were psychotic. You know, she could have been locked up the way she swung. But it, but it was mine were similar enough that I was like I, I can't deal with yours. You know, I'm not in a position to deal with yours because I need to stay on top of mine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. I can't be in I can't be in a situation with someone who's got even bigger bipolar issues than I do. That's the last thing I want to deal with, and I don't I don't deserve to deal with that. <laughs> that's that's the you know, last.
0: That's why that's why I think that it's very important for people. To just be with themselves before they move on to a relationship especially after one that was volatile you know you need to take a big break in between and heal before you know don't sit there and and you know not only just bring in baggage but you know don't sit there and you got this wound that you know that's been deep and infected or whatever don't bring that and bring it to somebody else and get them infected or bleed all over them you know so take some time it's okay to take some time out for yourself and and really reflect on how was I such a participant in such a volatile relationship? What part did I play? You know, instead of just blaming that per, that other person, it's like, okay, what part did you, you know, play in it as well? What, you know, what could you have done better? It might have been a communication issue. You know, you, you maybe, maybe you didn't establish boundaries like you should have. Or, right. you know, maybe, you know, it's just, it's so many different things that most people are not willing to accept their part of. You know, look, the, my first marriage, I... I, I would, I accepted all the things that I could have done better, you know, and that's what makes this one so much better. You know, a lot of people are like, well, that kind of sucks, you know, good that, you know, this one person goes through all this stuff and then the next person reaps all the benefits, you know, I'm, but I'm, I would hope that, you know, whoever she's with at this point, that there's just as better, you know, from all the things that, you know, we learned, hopefully that we learned when we were together, that's all I can hope for. You know because I don't wish any will toward her, you know i I really want her to to be happy and be successful, especially you know, hey, it's the mother of my children, you know, I don't want them to have to have a parent that's going through stuff, you know so but um, like I said, man, take that time out in between, just you know work on the one of the actually work on the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life, and that's the one with yourself because at the end of the day. You can't break up with yourself. You've been together since the day you came out of the womb. You can't, get rid of this. you can't get rid of this motherfucker. And honestly, no matter how you dress them up, how many personalities you have, it's still the same person. It's you. And it's going to be with you from day one to the last day, first breath to last breath. You're going to be together, you know, one way or the other.
1: So. No matter how much you change yourself physically or how much yeah, exactly. success you achieve, you're still the same person in there. It's still just, in there. That you're trying to escape is always going to be there. It's that, that passenger that never leaves. It's right there. Exactly. Exactly, man. So
0: yeah, you know, that's one of those things like, um, you know, we definitely, you know, we're talking about, you know, you know, kids and co-parenting and all that, you know, some of these things we're talking about, man, I think is like we really. I think it would really help if we knew these things or told these things as kids, you know, yeah. we're so, you know, parents protect their kids so much from this. So like, I don't want them to have to worry about these different things and kind of brought, and I was telling you about this article that I read, um, um, that Elon Musk, his mom it wrote for, um, Inc magazine. And you know, you're talking about the, you know, what, what do you do when you're, okay, you're the most right now, this dude is the richest man in the world. Okay, but not just all about the money. But he's probably one of the most innovative men in the world, people in the world right now. You know, just really forward thinking, a futurist, and all that. And so you you always kind of wonder, like you know, where do they get that from, and you know, what was their upbringing like, and you know, what were their parents like? And that's one of the things I like about this article. You know, she wrote a book. I Haven't um, seen the book yet, but. You know, so his mom, she's like seventy three. She's this this model from Canada. You know, she's a dietitian. You know, but um, she, you know, she ended up marrying this man. You know, they in South Africa, and that's where Elon was born. And basically, you uh-huh. know, you kind of have, you know, just kind of going from Elon's point of view and her point of view. You have this tale of two parents. You know, you've which happens for a lot of people. Eventually, she became a single parent. And was raising, you know, three kids on her own, you know, and then, you know, before his high school years, Elon was raised by his dad, you know, and well, he went to live with his dad I think when he was nine, but you know, you know, Elon's going on record saying that his dad was a terrible human being, you know. I don't know exactly, you know, what's behind all that or whatever. Then eventually he came, but you know, lived with his mom. So, you know, basically they were asking her like, you know, what other things, you know, how do you how do you raise successful children? Like, what are these habits that you instill in them and make, you know, help them be successful? So, you know, she brought some points that, you know, I've in previous episodes, some of the things I've actually kind of just said or hinted toward, you know, just kind of my approach to raising kids, you know, and a lot of these things like my parents well, my grandparents who raised me, you know, that was their approach or it was certain things that I wished were their approach. You know, so, you know, one of the things she was talking about, though, you know, first off is, you know, put them to work at an early age. You know, we don't really see that anymore. You know, a lot of these kids now, you know, everything's kind of being handed to them at this point. They're not even really doing chores anymore because you got a lot of these parents who, when they were kids, they hated these things so much that they're going out of their way to make sure their kids never have to do those things, that they don't have to, as soon as you wake up, make up your bed. I mean, something can be said about as soon as you wake up, making your bed up, you know, that carries on, that carries on with you throughout your entire life because Something such small, such a small thing and a detail that you care about enough to do and put to put attention into something like as soon as you wake up goes a long way because then you start looking at the other small things and giving them the detail that they need and making sure that they're set a certain way, you know, just to kind of put you in the mindset of, okay, now I can move on. I'm actually. I have no reason to get back in this bed right now. I've made it up. It looks good. I don't want to mess it up. So now I can carry on my day. There's no temptation. I want to get back in, you know, cause I don't want to have to make this bed up twice <laughs> you know, on the same day. But, um, it, it, so that was always kind of important to me. My wife laughs. They should like, Oh my gosh. Like, that's like, even when we go into, we're out of town, we're staying at a hotel. So she would laugh like, "Um, that's what housekeepers for." <laughs> like, let them do their job. I was like, "Yeah, I just don't like looking at a messy bed. It drives me crazy, and it, like it, mentally, it messes with me." Yeah, so it might be a much deeper issue or whatever. But I don't like looking at a messy bed once I know that everyone in it is done with it. It's like, okay, so at least let me give let me give the housekeeper a head start. And I'm also looking at like she's got about. 500 rooms to clean up today. Let me at least try to help her job, make it a little easier for her, you know, at least with one of these rooms because I can just imagine what these other rooms look like. So let me kind of help her where she needs like, okay, I'll have to spend a lot of time in this room today. <clears throat> Otherwise a lot of times we just tell them like, come back tomorrow, <laughs> you know, because he's like, it's not that dirty. We we're good. But um, yeah, man. So again, there's just something can be said about, you know, putting them to work at an early age and they can appreciate hard work and appreciate the grind. And, Man, it's just like I don't know. I appreciate the fact, I'm like, dude, having two jobs. You know, when I was sixteen, and one of them was going toward a career in which I was interested in, and one was just necessary so I can have a paycheck to go and take care of my BS, like going to the mall and putting gas in my car. You know, so you know, I, I was afforded that opportunity to do both. I mean, working at McDonald's. You know part-time and I'm working at a radio station at 16, which, you know, he wasn't paying much, but that experience is, I mean, that happened at 16. Fast forward, here we are now, you know, I'm still broadcasting from that point on and I'm not working at McDonald's. <laughs> so it says a lot right there. So, but yeah, man, there's a lot can can do with that. But again, you know, study, there was a study that shows that, you know, kids who do chores, they usually end up becoming more successful adults. You know, and what they do, because they've learned about their responsibility and doing what needs to be done. You know, not necessarily without having to sit there like, oh, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. It's just like, OK, do this. You're being responsible. You, know, you teach responsibility, especially for some shit that you don't own. So you, you'll be able to respect other people's stuff as well. So if you're making up your bed, which is not really your bed, you're making up my bed. Because I'm the one paid. I'm the one who paid for it. (laughs) You know, you're here. If you're gonna live here rent free, you got to do something. You know, you got you got to do your part. You got to contribute something to this society called our family. You know, and then guess what? Once they go out into the, the other society, then hopefully they'll do something to contribute to that meaning. You know, contribute something meaningful. You know, there's a lot of people contribute some bullshit to society as well. So. But yeah, so that that was like the first thing she pointed out. Kind of went off on a tangent on that one. But again, it takes us to number 2 which she says, you know, treat them like adults. And that right there, man, oh my gosh. You know, it's that right there is also you you're showing a child that you trust them. Now, you can still protect them and still but like, I'm, dude, I'm one of those dudes that never, even when my kids were babies, to talk to them and baby talk and all that, I talk to them like a human being because I feel like that's a more effective way of being communicate, you know, you know, communicating with them right. and it'll help them with their communication skills, not making all these little sounds and all this other stuff and speaking in baby Yoda to them and speaking backwards and all this <laughs> other stuff because you're not helping them out by doing that. You know, my thing is you really, they, 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 these children are picking up on that and I think it really helps them. You know, enhance their intelligence by speaking to them like a human being and not a thing, you know, or just all this cutesy talk or whatever else. Yeah, it has its place, you know, but at the same time, as they start getting older, they start developing speech and they're developing conversations to really just, you know, be straight up and just have that conversation. Even when they ask questions, my thing is, don't just say, don't just reply with, oh, well, because. When they asking a question, asking a question. My thing is, if you can be as transparent and and be on a level of their age and level of understanding as possible, first of all, you're you're earning not only respect from them towards you, but also to themselves because they feel like, oh, you know, mom they they talk mom or dad they talk to me like, oh, like I'm a person like. You know, they don't necessarily think of maybe a, you're talking to them like a grown up, but you're talking to them like a person. You're not down talking them. You're not trying to treat them like they're dumb or stupid and stupid. They don't understand, you know, just like, hey, you know, in this situation, blah, 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 blah. Again. You 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 address it at the level of understanding where they are. But my thing is to sit there and just make up lies and stories and, you know, do, you know, straight up and doing a Santa Claus, tooth fairy, Easter bunny approach to explain things to a child does them a disservice and you as well. Because eventually they'll find out you've been lying all this time. You make stuff up and then it's going to mess up their trust factor with you. And they feel like, hey, I can't really talk to you because you'll just make up stuff because you don't want to hurt my feelings. You just want to protect me when you're really not. You know, so it, it really helps. And then it helps them become more effective communicators as well. Um, and also helps them become more responsible adults. Again, when you start treating them like adults, then they'll grow. eventually grow up and become an adult. You know, there are some 40-year-old children out there, <laughs> 50-year-old children, you know, just really will not accept responsibility for any damn thing. Well, when people are like that, I always have the question, like, I wonder what their childhood was like, you know. I always want because it's not like they just magically became that way. So um, number three, let them follow their own interest. Yeah, I love that as well. You know, like you were saying there earlier, there are so many people have to deal with trying to live up to other people's expectations. And a lot of that has nothing to do with that child. That's mostly because of missed opportunities by that adult because they didn't, they didn't follow their own expectations. You know, they didn't have, they didn't set any things for themselves. They were going by what other people expected out of them. And so now, sadly, they've passed on, you know, this tradition or this gene. But like I always say, man, traditions is, you know, tradition is nothing but peer pressure by dead people. Okay, that's usually what it is. You know, so my thing is, you know, give them that space to run and breathe and, you know, really find out who they are and what it is that truly really interests them in. and don't necessarily force your missed opportunities upon them. I mean you see this all the time with the dads and the in the in the, the soccer moms and the dads on the you know in the football stand screaming at the kid and doing this and doing this and just man, because they missed their opportunity. At that yep. time, dad was a bench warmer or he was actually a trainer, a towel boy at best, you know, but all of a sudden he's talking to his kid like he was frickin, you know, Joe Montana when he was in high school. Like, you know, you need to do this, boy, you need to do this, this, this. And this dude never he probably played all of like 10 minutes in his entire four years of football, his you know, career in high school, you know, so he probably didn't even let letter or anything. But yet he's going to talk to you like. He's coached the Dallas Cowboys in the nineties to the Super Bowl, okay, which says a lot right there. So yeah, let them follow their own interests. I mean, that's I think one of the biggest things that made Steve Jobs the innovator that he was, because when he went to college, just like instead of just taking those required classes, this dude would just go sit in classes that interest him, you right. know, that, that actually like really like piqued his interest, and it just really helped him question things, and okay he went against the grain with that, and hey. Next thing you know, we get Apple, you know, and and innovation was just the foundation of that company for the most part. So my thing is, don't sit there and try to tell them, like, oh, you need to be a doctor. You need to be a lawyer. You need to be doing this. No, you don't need to tell them what they need to be doing anything. Let them figure it out. And my thing is, once they become a legal adult, step back. You've done your job. You've done the best you can do. I always liken it to a bird, a mama bird. That mama bird will sit there and fly out and get worms and whatever else to come back to that nest and feed each one of those little, you know, little birds, you know, put the food in their mouth or whatever else until they're able to take care of themselves. And then after that, they're on their own. (laughs) So, you know, they got to fly and do what they have to do on their own. The mom has done her part. We need to do the same thing, in my opinion. You know, or you can also go out like a shark. <laughs> Their parents just like drop them off. They just lay the egg and go away. <laughs> so <laughs> the shark just has to raise themselves. So yeah. you know. But hey, he's one of the most feared, you know, beast in the water though. Because they had to be. <laughs> they survival. They they've been survivors since day one. So I can be said about that too. So you gotta find that balance. But my thing is, yeah, man. You know, let them follow their own interests and, and make sure it's their interest, not your interests. Whatever your interests are, you haven't followed them. Hey, take some time to do that, especially once those children grown up and moved on. Then those things that you may have put on pause while you were raising kids, which I don't suggest necessarily. There's still a way to still A lot of times find a way to get into that for some folks. But, you know, once the kids, once you have those empty nests, then those interests that you, you know, you deferred, go back and attack them. Get it. Get it done. You know, you don't have to sit there and try to force it on your kid while you're raising them. Just, hey, just put yours. If you put yours on pause, admit that and just get back to it, hopefully. And um number four is like, you know, don't get them used. Don't get them used to a luxuries. And, man, in this society right now where you've got two and three year olds who have iPhones and can swipe with the best of them, you know, swipe left, swipe right, whatever, you know, you, all these luxuries. I'm like, man, do you understand you know, there's a time period where, like, you know, during the time you and I were coming up, if you even just mentioned that you told your parents that you wanted a pager first thing, they're like, OK, are you a doctor or a dope dealer? <laughs> like neither. Okay. Then why do you want a pager? OK, it's like, well, you know, what if I get in trouble and you, or what if something happens? You need to get in contact with me. Well, <laughs> I know where you are. So I know where to come find you. <laughs> so, But, you know, this thing. But when you have my, not even saying that it's wrong to even get, a, you know, give your kid a cell phone because, you know, world's kind of crazy. And, yeah, there are other situations where you, you may need to, you know, find out where they are. They're in a situation where they need to call you. So be it. But do you have to go out and get them the $1,500 phone when they're <laughs> only when they're only eight? <laughs> you know, so I don't understand. So my thing is, look, man, if you can't match. Half the money that it costs to buy this thing, you don't get to say so in this. So if you can't put half on it, shush, you're going to get what you get. So so my thing is, yes, treat them, you know, treat them like adults. but But at the same time, they have to earn those adult responsibilities. So if you want to participate in the buying and purchasing of things, you got to do some adult type things to make that happen. So if you're a kid and you're working, okay. well, here's the deal. I'm like, all right, we'll get that. If you do this, if you give if you put down this amount, then we can get that. And if you can take care of the monthly insurance on it, which is like six bucks, then you can have it. And then, okay, make them sign a contract. Start treating them like adults. That's what adults have to do. You want a house. You got to put you got to have some earnest money before things even start rolling out with that house when you're trying to buy one. You got to put some money down. They got to, you got to put some money down in good faith before they even trust you with that. So you're teaching these kids how this is how the world works. OK, and you don't want to sit there and do what you're supposed to do. Your responsibilities, chores, whatever. Then when you take something from them, mean it. Don't give it right back. And and don't do that split parent thing where one parent takes something away and the other one like you, the softy. And you're like, uh, <clears throat> OK, you you've been punished enough. Dude, it's only been an hour. Okay, then what lesson have they learned in an hour by not having their phone? So, my thing is, is like, and going back to what you were saying, Mike, about the whole 30 day thing, look at your yeah. kids. Take their phone away from them, especially during like, let's say winter break, when they're not in school, they're with you. Take, if they get in trouble, take their phone from them. And if they're acting a fool and they're like, oh my god, I got have my phone, cell phone, that's a problem. That is a problem. Okay especially at that age, at that point, like what do they need to do on social media and anything else on their phone? That's so important. What business, you know, are they? Are, do they have, are they running? Hopefully if they are running one good, so be it they, but they are probably not be in a situation where they're going to lose phone privileges if they are responsible enough to already have a business at that point, because they understand the importance of having those. So at the end of the day, like I said, as long as they're safe, man, you know, like um, Elon's mom says, as long as they're safe, you know, let them look after themselves, but just, kind of just raise up on this whole spoiling kids and all this other stuff and these high-end luxuries, like getting them Louis Vuitton bags and things like that. And I'm like, trust me, I know kids who are 13 who are saying that's what they wanted for Christmas. They wanted a Louis Vuitton purse and all this stuff. I'm like, excuse me, first of all, spell Vuitton, okay? <laughs> spell it without looking it up. Then I'll be impressed before you start wanting all those different things. Um Even like what, when you think about like them going to school and whatever else, then they want to go to the most prestigious schools or whatever. OK, are they going to pay for that, especially if it's out of state? To my, that same education can be you can get that at the local junior college, you know, or, you know, or the local university or something like that. So my thing is one thing I told my kids is like, OK, you go to my when you go to college, don't take out a loan. If you can't afford to, like, pay for it, then obviously you need to go to another university or wait until you get the money. I said or be ready to deal with that debt. But my thing is, one thing you want to do in life is always minimize debt. So if you are gonna do that, it's just that important for you to go to that certain school or whatever else. Try to keep the debt as minimal as possible and be very smart with your money. Don't go out partying and having keggers or whatever else and don't be the designated person that's gotta buy all the beer or whatever and all this other stuff for parties. Don't do all that stuff. In fact, the more you save it the better. If you get a refund check, take that, invest it, do whatever so that money can start building up while you're in school. So therefore when you get out, He's like, OK, here you go. Here's your money for your loan. Kiss my ass. I'm moving on now, you know. So if you are going to take that route and then last he's like, you know, which I just kind of hinted to, you know, make them responsible for their own futures. Quit rescuing them. It's like, again, like I just said, once they become legal adults on paper, let them go, you know, and just. You know, hope that you've done the best that you can as a parent. But, and just hopefully you'll be there for them when they fall and bust their ass. Not to bail them out and enable them, but hey, I've been there. I got a story for you. I can tell you about that. Or I understand what you're going through. But, uh, you know, you just be there. You can be that sage advice that they need. But don't, my, my opinion is don't enable them. Don't rescue them because they'll never learn shit. They'll never learn if they're going to rescue them every time. You know it's it's just like they they need to build that muscle, okay, so they need to sometimes they gotta tear it down to build it up, so they need to go through some stuff in order to build some character they need animosity, animosity is their friend in a lot of situations, it's gonna make them a much better human being, it's gonna make them stronger, you know, so just think about that because if you sit there and remove the obstacles away from them each and every time, you're not helping them at all, so let them find their way. And like I said, just hope for the best. That's all you can do. Honestly, if you want to raise some responsible adults. So yeah, those are like her five points, man. You know, I like those. A lot of those I've talked about before in previous episodes, but, um, so that's from Mama Musk herself.
1: So, yeah, it was really good. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. yeah, I can relate to some. I mean, I didn't grow up with a, with parents that were encouraging of, Unconventional ways to make a living—that's for sure. Yeah. Because both of my parents were PhDs, so they saw certain routes. They they saw routes that they went down as the optimal routes for myself and my brother, my older brother Roger, to go down. Yeah. So I remember when I decided to major in religious studies, my dad was adamantly against it. He goes, "That's going to be a total waste of time, and no, you're not going to get hired for a job." Now, if if he were, what he should have said is, "It doesn't really matter what you major in because." In terms of getting a job, because no one cares. Not once <laughs> I applied for a job where anyone looked at my university degree or asked for proof of it, they could care less. I could and first of all, I could have lied and said that I majored in business administration and no one would have known any difference. Right. It doesn't, number one, it doesn't matter what you major in. So you might as well pick, now if it doesn't matter what you major in, you might as well pick something that's of interest to you. Or just don't go at all. Go learn a trade if you want something specific. If you yeah. want, you want something where you're actually going to have a job lined up or you're going to be in a position where you look appealing to hire, then you have to go through some kind of trade school where it's obvious that you picked up a skill. But just go into a liberal arts college like I did, you're not qualified to do anything except, <laughs> except be teach. a teacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and I didn't want to be a teacher. I majored in religious studies not because I wanted to be a professor someday. I just found the whole topic really interesting, and I have no regrets whatsoever about majoring in that. It was definitely the right thing to do for a very important reason. One, it taught me this. I'm only going to be good at things that I'm interested in. I'm not someone who gets A's in classes I don't give a fuck about. I got straight A's within my major. I didn't get straight A's in other courses that were requirements. I would do the minimum needed there. Right. C, move on. And then I would, in the stuff that I actually did well in, I wasn't pursuing the A. It was just a side effect of me being so interested in the topic. So mm. I learned a very valuable lesson at a young age that I'm only going to be happy and I'm only going to be good at something I'm genuinely interested in. And, once I got into the real world, it was the same thing. It was like, you know what, you're not going to make a money as a trainer. You know, no one makes any money in the fitness industry. Like, like my parents are experts on the industry. They have no clue what they're talking about. And if, long story short, everybody knows the rest of the story. I got into the industry. I did extremely well in it. I'm still doing really well in it. And it was because it was something I wanted to do once again. So sometimes you're, you're not going to have those supportive environment. And I'm not saying that my parents weren't good parents. They they were just coming out what they thought was the best route for me. Right. They couldn't conceptualize what I created. I mean, they had no idea that was possible. They just could. They couldn't believe. But my, my mom told me this, you know, a couple of years before she died. She's like, I had no idea that you were this ambitious or that you were this driven and that you could make all these things happen. And I was like, Yeah, you didn't. You had no idea, but I did. You <laughs> know, the most important thing is that I knew. I knew what I was capable of. So it didn't really matter what my parents said or didn't say. If they were more supportive, would that have been great? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it didn't matter at all. You right. <laughs> know, you have to, you have to get to a point where you have that self belief in whatever it is you're trying to achieve. You also have to be honest with yourself too. Now, there are plenty of people that can do a regular job that they have no passion for whatsoever, but they can do it and they can do it well, and then they have their free time and they're like, "That's it. I don't have to think about the job when I go home. I can just kick back. When the, my weekends are mine, I'm not thinking." Of- about <laughs> When you're an entrepreneur, you're always thinking about what you're doing. But if you like what you're doing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So you just have to be honest with yourself and, and your personality. Me personally, I knew that I could not be happy doing a job I'm not passionate about or a vocation I'm not passionate about. I had to be, it had to be something of personal interest to me. There's no other way or there was no other route for me. I would, I would have committed suicide a long time ago, honestly, if I just went down some traditional route of boredom. And I'm just putting in my nine to five and I'm doing some boring ass job and I've got this unfulfilling relationship at home. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't have necessarily committed suicide, but I would have been self-destructive, which is yeah. pretty much the same thing. You know, it ends up, in the, you end up in the same place. So, so for my own mental health, it's crucial that I do what I want to do for a living. It's absolutely essential to my mental health because I'm not someone who can compartmentalize it. I can't be. No. Someone who hates what he does for a living. I can't hide it either, so man. Block oh that God. somewhere and, and make up for it in my free time. That, that's not going to work for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those people that like, I can't hide my disdain for things either. Like, <laughs> like, like, look, man, I, 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 my face, man, my face talks too much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was going to say, there's people that you've had fallen outs with and then you run into them. You're not someone who's going to be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, good to see you. you know, your, your facial expression, when they see you, they, they know not they to come anything. say anything. You know? <laughs> you know?
0: I just can't hide it, man.
1: And there's no point hiding it. No, it's not. it's not.
0: In fact, it's hilarious when somebody brings it up like, man, you should have seen your face. I, was like, oh, I can just imagine. I, I, could, I know what it probably looked like. <laughs> Cause I could, I could see the, I could see the reaction on the other person's face and they were like, oh, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: they're about to come over and say something and they stop halfway like, no. Exactly. And turn in and
0: all of a sudden they're in a, all of a sudden they see somebody else that they knew and they go walking in that direction. Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Keep walking. <laughs> Don't even come over here. Yeah. <laughs> not like I'm going to be combative. It's just like, it's going to be very embarrassing when you be like, hey, sister, how you doing? And I'm like, huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's the worst. Like, you'd much rather me say, hey, don't fucking talk to me, dude. No, I'm just going to be like, huh. Okay. <laughs> like, for real? That's what we're doing? You talking to me now? For real? <laughs> we're not cool. What are you doing? <laughs> so, but yeah. But yeah, man. So. It's it's one of those things, man. It's just like um I just I can't I just can't even imagine like a couple of times I attempted to do something that I give two shits about. Yeah. <laughs> and I say a couple of times because it really was a couple of times. <laughs> so and I just realized how miserable I was and how quickly I got out of those situations. I remember I went this is like my first year uh, right before I started my freshman year in college. And I was well, okay. Let me, you know, my student, um, like all my financial aid and all that stuff was still being processed. And I was like, okay, but I want some extra money. And so I was li- staying with my cousin. I was living with my cousin who was in the army, and you know, she's basically trying to recruit me every day. I'm like, you realize, <laughs> like every day. <laughs> this is right before Desert Storm. You know, the Desert Storm was actually happening at that time. You know, and so. You know, and the more and more she talked, you know, she was giving me the spiel about you know GI Bill and they'll pay for college and they'll give you this amount and yada yada yada. She was making it seem she was really selling it, big time, you know. But then, um, but then I was just sitting there thinking like, okay, well I want my own money as well, and I'm, I like freedom too much. Like I don't like being told what to do. It'll be a problem. Basic training is gonna be ass for me because they they're gonna hate me. God, I got this. I got this mouth problem. <laughs> so straight <laughs> up, and so you know, so one of the first gigs I got, looking in the paper, man, the newspaper, and it was um, it was this is telemarketing job. So basically, they were selling. <laughs> I know, right? Already done. Like, be bad. <laughs> yeah, so they were selling insurance for credit cards. <laughs> so. And it, but but, of course, in the the ad in the paper, it didn't mention any of this. It was just saying, would you like to make anywhere between two thousand and ten thousand dollars a week? <laughs> OK, when you're 17 years old, you're like, hell, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's got to be legal because it's in the newspaper. So it's not like it's, you know, they're not putting an ad for a drug dealer or anything. So I'm like, "Hell, oh, let me go see what this is about. So, man, I go. And the dude. Oh, my God, this dude was so he was so sleazy. God is so sleazy. He was, just, oh man, it's, I can't even describe how sleazy this dude was. Like he fit the part of this of this interview. So, so eventually I got the gig because he was like, oh, so, oh man, you've done radio since you were sixteen. And he said, oh, so you already know about sales and marketing now because radio, you know that. Da, 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 da. He, he said, and you know how to talk. You're obviously a good communicator because you've been on the radio. So yeah, this is a perfect job for you. You're probably one of my top performers. Now I'm not gonna lie, for the two days that I was there. I was, <laughs> but then it hit me as I'm reading through this binder. Like, first of all, when they handed you a binder to read out of, and he goes, you just read from this. And I was like, wait, what? So I took it upon myself during my break to go and read through that binder. So therefore, I was like, there's no way you can sell anything to anyone reading from a binder. They're going to see right through you. So I read through it and got the, the, the high points or whatever. And I just thought to myself, like, OK, I got to. Whenever I talk, when these people call, I gotta be relatable to them. Like, that's the only way they're gonna, I, I gotta make a connection. So, from an early, from, from that point on, I mean, that early in the game, I understood that people buy into you and not the thing. And, you know, I'm listening to all these idiots next to me reading from their binders word for word, and then just not closing, not closing anything. And so then I'm actually getting when people call, I'm trying to get to know them like, oh, so you got kids. Oh, man. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Where are you coming from? Oh, OK. Yeah. I got so and so. Oh, you got a relative that lives here. Oh, man. I thought I was the only one who no one claims to be from this place. I'm like, well, hey, I'm from a Bodong town, too. So I get it. <laughs> so I'm, I said, notice I didn't tell you where I was from. So I get it. So you, you, you're you connecting with these folks or whatever. And then I'm closing them every freaking time. So I made like two grand the first day. And then, of course, when you're 17, you you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I like this. I can do this. <laughs> so you think, but then I started realizing what the product was. And then I thought about it and I was like, Oh my God, I remember these postcards coming in the mail being mailed to my, my grandparents and they actually them being on the phone with one of these dudes. And they basically were really trying to scam them out of their money and just sell them on this crap product that really wasn't worth its weight in the paper that it was printed on. And then it hit me I said, like, man, Think about this. One of these calls could actually be your mom. You know, said, would you sell her this shit? <laughs> so I was like, Hell no. So then I was like, you know what, man? I said, hey, I just stopped. And I went to the dude, I was like, Hey man, I'm okay, I, I, I can't do this. So I just need to know when can I get my when I can I when can I come back and pick up my last check? He's like, What? What do you mean? You're like one of our top performers, why would you quit? I was like, Because I'm just not feeling this. This doesn't sit right with me. He goes, well, what does that even mean? It doesn't sit right with you. It's not about sit right with you. It's just like, dude, it's about making money. It's like, I was like, yeah, but it's, you're kind of taking people for their hard earned money for some BS that they don't need. He goes, well, if that's the way you feel about it then, then we don't need you here. I said, uh, um, I just told you, <laughs> like, like, I just told you I don't need this. I'm leaving. I quit. He said, well, then you can go. I was like, okay, I didn't need your permission, but I'm leaving. So
1: <laughs> That's like someone who doesn't want to admit someone just quit. Like, no, I'm going to fire you. It's like, I just yeah, you're quit. Fired. I like, fired. Like, whatever.
0: Yeah. So I was like, he's like, you can come get your check on Friday. I was like, okay. So we, like, don't like, oh, like you're hurting my feelings because you said it's on Friday. That's when we get paid, fool. <laughs> so come on. So, yeah. So when I came and got it, it's so funny when I can't <laughs> pick up my last check. He's like, hey, hey hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on let me let me just just one more thing before you leave let me just is there any way i can convince you to come back now he's changing his mind because these other idiots are not performing they're not closing you know then he's like you know what can we do to like change your mind and get you to stay i'm like nothing i said i have my check now i have no reason to be here so so i'm gonna leave now (laughs) so and that was the end of that i was like dude i'll never ever first of all rule number one Never answer a, a, a freaking job, a one ad in a newspaper, especially in 2021. <laughs> so it tells you everything you need to know about yourself. You're still looking in the newspaper for a job. But this wasn't that time. But my thing is, again, at an early age, I learned that it's not just about the money. OK, because that won't last very long. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. And if you're miserable, it's going to affect your performance. And if your performance, if your performance is being affected, you're not gonna have a job, and and then it's just gonna be this constant circle going round and round and round. So my thing is, if you're truly enjoying what you're doing, like you said earlier, you know that money is just gonna be a side effect of it. It's just oh, I'm having, I'm making money from this, cool. But anyway, I'm looking forward to going go doing this thing. You know whether it's going to work or going to this business that you're creating or getting up and turning your computer for this business that you're doing or whatever. Yeah, like I said, money would be the side effect. So, yeah, man,
1: you know, what's great about doing what you enjoy doing, especially doing it on your own terms, is that you're you're just one consistent person. And meaning, yeah, the people, the way I talk to people at the dog park is the same as the way I talk to people. Yes. Like, no code switch. I talk to people <laughs> in my business. Like I don't go into this contrived persona whenever I do like, let's say well, I do one of my little Instagram rants. You know, that's the way I talk that anyone who knows me knows that's the way I talk. Right. I'm not. I'm not going into a character where if like, you make, hey guys, this is Mike Muller here. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Oh. I mean so, so and, and that's a big relief because when I when I deal with people in retail situations, you know, it's all an act on them. Oh, hello, sir. Welcome to the Delano Hotel. We it's, it's like, okay, do you, is that the way you talk to one of your friends, or the, the second I leave, are you going to turn to your coworker and talk like that? No, of course right. not. You're going into this persona. And that's stressful to have to constantly shift between these roles all the time. While stuff like what you and I do, I don't have to shift between any role. The way I talk when I taught a seminar is the way I talk right now, is the way I talk when I do my own YouTube show or the way I talk when I do a rant or the way I talk to people that I know in my real life. And that's a big relief because you're just this one consistent person all the time. Yeah, like I said, no code switching required. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, especially I'll say, like, even in my culture, you know, people look like me. You know, they go and have a corporate job. They pretty (laughs) much they speak a certain way, look a certain way. And then because, again, they're dealing with B.S., you know, and how they're being you know, perceived or whatever. But then once, you know, they leave that job, they can feel relaxed and be themselves. I don't ever want to have to feel that way, man. I I want to just be who I am no matter what. You know, so That's and when you like you're saying like, if I go to a hotel and you know someone's saying, "Hey, sir, welcome to blah blah," I actually try to help de-escalate and help them feel relaxed. I'll say, "How you doing, baby girl? You good? Tomorrow, how you doing? You good?" Because again, it depends on the Me Too situation. You know, call somebody baby girl it might be a different thing. So it just depends. If I'm in the South, I know that works.
1: <laughs> or it's like, "Oh, how, oh, what's going on with you? You good?" Oh, but, but how many how many black women were victims of the Me Too? Not one. You know? Because, well, they
0: weren't victims. Someone, they weren't victims. Them, that Me Too stuff has been going on for a long time, but they handled it without needing to well, go to I mean. the uh, Even though, even well, though the original... They're
1: not gonna be all, like some guy comes at them cross, they're not gonna be like, oh man, I can't believe this guy came at the, and they go to a counselor, or they go to one of their friends. They're gonna check that guy real fast. Yeah,
0: even though the, the oh. actual Me Too movement, you know, was created by a black woman, you know, but it got commandeered, it got snatched up. By, you know, Hollywood and people that didn't look like her, you know, so, but it it was a much different situation, but they just, but (laughs) Hollywood decided to really commercialize it and then kind of take it in a totally different direction where just pretty much anybody is like, oh, he did this, he did this, or she did this, she did this, and then in the court of public opinion, ruin some people where sometimes it was lies, <laughs> you know, it yeah. was lies. but it was too late. Right. Their reputation was done. There was That's no okay. coming back. And you haven't seen these people since, you know, it was already yeah. done because one thing about it, people don't when they sit there and accuse people of things and they lie about it. Once the truth comes up, they don't retract it. They don't sit there and say, like, you know what? My bad. I, I, I misspoke or whatever. Even right. the media, the media doesn't even do that. The media will say one thing, but they won't backtrack. They won't sit there and say, like, oh, you know, we had bad information. Hell, our politicians, you can go all the way back to, like, the whole Iraq war with Colin Powell. None of, these, none of them want to retract. Nobody wants to admit when they're wrong in these so-called high positions. First of all, these positions shouldn't even be considered high like that to where they have to feel like they can't tell the truth, you know, because they're afraid that, oh, they'll be ostracized and then they'll lose their positions. Like, look, they're human. They're human. Humans lie or they make mistakes. They misspeak. They get bad information. They think there's real information, you know, just all that stuff. So, yeah, man. So, yeah, it's just like I said, isn't it just bizarre how, you know, once – are you just trying to tell me that Harvey Weinstein was the the end-all, be-all to the Me Too movement? Because it's funny how it just died once he finally got locked up. right. All of a sudden, no one has, no one's really coming out anymore. There's no, you trying to say he's the only one in Hollywood, really? The well, he's the top dog. Nobody else. It's like, uh, after he got locked up, it's like, oh, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, he killed himself. Okay, so, oh, his mistress. Okay, so you just tell me these are the only people, <laughs> you know, that at, at that high up. Yeah, there were other names here and there scattered along, but, but it, again, here we are in 2021. No one's really talking about that anymore. So you're just saying it magically just went away. In the last year or two, the Corona just wipe out the flu, the Me Too movement, <laughs>
1: he well, just wiped all that out. <laughs> it magically went away because no one's working right now. <laughs> <You know>? no. <laughs> well, even before that, it's like, got went watching, went it's like everybody home. was done. You, know, you can't you can't get sexually harassed when everyone's at home. You <laughs> you know? see? I mean, hey. If someone's doing it through a Zoom call, you know, that might be <laughs> creepy. <but> I mean, <laughs> I mean, that mean that they're sitting at, hey, they're calling you on Zoom way.
0: and they're showing you their, you know they're wanking in front of you. It's like, well, here we go again. <laughs> So they just up their game now.
1: <laughs> I mean someone sends you a dick pic, you can just delete and block that. It's over, right? <laughs> Unsolicited Maybe. one that is. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But once
0: it gets on the internet, can you really delete it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Nothing's ever deleted. That's
0: the thing. Hey, ask Anthony Weiner. Somebody, his name oh. told you everything you need to know about him. Okay, why yeah. are y'all surprised?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's my joke. With him. I was like, why is anyone surprised that a guy with that last name is going like, to behave that way? How else do you expect him to behave?
0: That's, to my, that's like Andy Dick. What did you expect for his behavior? You know, all the stuff they talk about him in Hollywood, like, oh, that dude's hard to work with. Like, his last name is Dick. What do you expect?
1: <laughs> well, like, look, there's, there's a street I passed on that I work out at, at a new gym now. There's a street I passed on the way home. I've never been down the street before, but I had to take a picture of it. Now, I'm not on Instagram right now, so I didn't post it in my stories, but I actually kept it in my phone. So if and when I return, I'm definitely going to post this because it's going to give me a lot of good jokes. But the name of this street is Shine Cock. Okay. Now, what do you think happens on that street? <laughs> Shine Cock. I was actually at a red light and I saw it. I go, I'm going to a picture of this.
0: Dude, you know, whenever the city came up with the name of that street, you know the city council's cracking up. They were like. Surely they're not going to let us do this. And they're like, oh my God, no one opposed this. It's uh, <laughs>
1: called Shine Cock, and it's, it, it leads to this little park now. <laughs> so Speaking of George park. Michael from earlier. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I've never been to this park, and I, I'm probably going to keep it that way because. Yeah, you might want to stay I've away from that park.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because, again, if you get busted at that park, so my, first of all, that name of that street told you everything you needed to know before you proceeded <laughs> right. to that park. <laughs> Yeah, man. So where are you going to be? I'm going to be at this little park off of Shinecock. Excuse me. What? <laughs> <laughs> Do what
1: now? <laughs>
0: yeah, man. So yeah, so how to get to your house? All right, man. So, um, you're going to take you're going to take a left on this street, Las Vegas Boulevard, and then you're going to take a right on Shinecock. <laughs> oh, so you live off the strip. You still on the strip. No. No, but you said uh, Shinecock. And, uh, there's another no. street.
1: There's another street called Cougars. Now, who do you think lives on that street?
0: <laughs> now, can you just imagine if Cougar Street is like two blocks over from Shinecock? <laughs> That's a happening neighborhood right there,
1: brother. <laughs> and then you have a racist, or like a, I'm not sure if you would call it racist, but it's a very discriminating street on just off of Silverado Ranch, where I used to live. It's called Pollock. Polak.
0: Oh, <laughs> Polak. So all I can think about is Archie Bunker when you say.
1: Yeah, there's actually a street called Polak, and no one thinks there's a problem with that.
0: Now, is it Polak or is it Pollock? So is it fish or is it a racial? like this yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That's a good distinction. I don't know if there's a difference in spelling, but uh, to me, I just saw Polak, and I was like, I, I, I can't imagine anyone Polish that's happy with that street. <laughs> But they have a good sense of humor out there, so maybe they just laugh when they see it. Right. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Only Vegas. <laughs> well, now let's end with this. I, I got a couple of funny, uh, like, uh, there's, there's, there's sayings that I think, there's sayings that I hear everybody use that I think are really moronic sayings when you really think about it. And here's one that comes to mind. Okay. I worked my ass off on XYZ, whatever it is. Really? <laughs> I've worked hard before. My ass didn't look any different. <laughs> I've worked, I taught, even after I taught a seminar, hey, I'm working really hard, physically too, eight hours. When I took a shower after the course and I saw sure. my ass in the mirror, it didn't look any different. <laughs> it wasn't, I didn't feel like I worked it off where I'm like, man, where would my ass go? <laughs> so I always love it when people say I worked my ass off. I was like, well, your ass still looks pretty big from where I'm That's why like,
0: <laughs> <that's like> people <laughs> say, man, I bust my ass each and every day. I'm like, dude, how do you sit down?
1: <laughs> oh, man. There's so many dubs today. I'm going to make a list for the next time we do an episode, but I, I just had to bring that up while I was on my mind because I forgot about it a couple of times. And that that's just one of many. That's just one of many stupid-ass things I hear all the it's time. It's like, man, this food is good as hell.
0: Mmm. So, uh, so that's why you get the bubble guts afterwards because you feel like you're going through hell, huh? It's
1: oh, like, yeah. That's a, that's some good shit. I was like, well, what's <laughs> that shit?
0: That's Vince McMahon 101. That's good shit.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't I don't uh, take a strong edible and go, man, that was some good shit. <laughs> I don't want to know what good shit is. <laughs> to me, it's all bad. <laughs> you, you just want oh, to get just... rid of it. You know, that's why you flush it immediately. You want to get that out of your system and it's gone. <laughs> if it's good, you would just keep it in you. You, you wouldn't try to get rid of it. <laughs> oh, man.
0: <sighs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> Well... <laughs> Well, this episode this is some good shit. So. <laughs> but right now, we, we've talked our asses off. so <laughs> It's making it very difficult to still sit here and do the show. So.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm standing now. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, uh,
0: we, we should just end it right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good place right there.
0: All right, folks, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take, Take care, care. <laughs> That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressive Show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressive Show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife which is a brand-new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving patron only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.